What's the goalie doing, Tom? What's the goalie doing? Tea, Al. How do you take your tea? Black or white? Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 150. Tifty's 150. Uh, it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof, Gary Riley. Tifty's 150, it's party time, Gary. Another landmark, Prof. We should be having a live show. We should. We had loads yeah. planned, didn't we? Initially, there's going to be a live show in the four provinces. We are going to have a big piss up and coming together, guest show, guests, our special guests coming on. and It's just, unfortunately, we can't get it, but it's a shame, yeah, it is. It's a great milestone. But uh, you have to make the best of a bad situation, I suppose. I still remember, Gary, the first episode, two days before it. Just sitting in my gaff thinking, no. Shitting ourselves. No, I was just, just like, oh, yeah, I decided. I'm not doing a podcast. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> you never told me that. I'm there hyping it up, going, prof, well into this. Yeah. Sitting at home just thinking, no, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still sponsored by Fantastic Ocean Electrical. Um... Sponsor for life, and they are uh, always looking after us, so uh, look after them, get involved, and if you ever need any electrical work done or anything, um, check them out, uh, Google them, Ocean Electrical, and of course, the official finance provider of the podcast is Leinster Credit, and check them out, Google them, and you will find everything that they are all about online, um, yeah, so the, if that's the finance provider of the podcast, so check them out, you love them Prof, don't you, you love Leinster Credit? I absolutely adore Leinster Credit. If I am ever in need of a payday loan, they'll be my first call. First part of call. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a packed show this week. We've the Dundalk review of our 2-1 win. We have uh, some podcast highlights for our Tifties 150, which is uh, trending all over Twitter, Prof. It's, it's huge. And then we have uh, Pico in quarantine as well, so you cannot miss this one. It's not to be missed. Free Pico. So I'm feeling a bit of pressure today, Gar, after all our marketing. Pressures for diamonds, Prof. Tifties 150. What if we don't deliver the goods? No, I think we will. I think we will. Our pressures mm. for football, isn't it? Yeah. Our, our little promos go, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you gotta love it. A big Gav there, he's a man now, isn't he? He's not the little kid anymore that was in goal mm. down like Tornus Cross. Did you notice that? Uh, we had the junior hoop with the Bazunu jersey in the background, and then after him, Gavin Bazunu himself. And Con Morphy were officially enemies. Yep. Officially enemies. Well, you did say last week you refused to pay the three ninety nine. dollars so <laughs> exactly. I started it in fairness. He got me back. Great, great. I love exactly this commentator style. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I was just taking advantage of Pico at this stage, wasn't I? Because it was just, I was like, here, Pico, read this. Oh, yeah. Me and Pico are enemies as well now. We've made a few enemies this week. You and him in in on together. More on that later. He, just, he couldn't say no, could he? He could hardly say, no, I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. Just sitting there. Just looking at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank you for all the well done messages including this one fair play lads keep me entertained every week in workout here and that was uh, oh, d- uh, <laughs> Dylan Dylan out in, um, no 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 it's four words <laughs> D- Dylan in uh, read it there 
I'm gonna get slaughtered for this. <laughs> Dil- it's Dylan Fox, isn't it? <laughs> well, Jaglin uh, Macon Shinoch, I think, is the way it's pronounced. Uh, pronounced? I can't even get it right. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I purposely put that in there so that you struggle. Yeah, because... he's a good lad, he's a good lad. He's a, I think he's a Holy Lands, Dublin 16, 14, Neck of the Woods. Um, Gary, there's no one in 19s or 17s games, so I have to amuse myself somehow. Yeah, to get, get some sort of cheap trail, yeah. So, feedback to last week's In Memoriam, and Dunster said, Great listen and peace on Mr. Cleary, and was nicely synced with my piece in the programme. It's like uh, there's some sort of freaky hooped hive mind. So, uh, great, I was only reading his one. I was texting him during the night. Yeah. He said, uh, Nice one, Dunster, thanks for making me all emotional now, the lack of away trips. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, that was a very good article, enjoyed that. And a uh, bit of a bit of a double effort because I had a piece on our TFDs in memoriam the, the two we've done and it was about uh, his grandson Daniel as well who had written the 2020 book and of course I dedicate my entire column to the Clearies partly on Dan Cleary and it's the one game he's not at no I went up to the gantry to say have you read the program Daniel and he's not there he was sick oh, I don't believe uh, you Ah, so, get better, Dan. Hopefully, yeah, he's hopefully not he feels too bad. better. It's a typical, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Ray Whelan, Chef Ray says, "Whoever's idea it was to have a memorial section on the tales from the East Stand from for deceased legendary fans is deserving of a point to tree off everyone who calls themselves a Rovers fan. Some great recollections to keep their memory alive. R.I.P. Maureen and Mister Cleary, and it, it was a fantastic idea. So, uh, yeah, it's it is. It's really nice. And even as far back as like Mister Cleary passed in 2003, and you know, it just. I'm sure all the memories came rushing back and the fact that so many people had such vivid memories of him since his passing a long time ago now it was lovely yeah. to hear so even people who didn't know him like ourselves it made us feel like we did know him yeah yeah definitely I really enjoyed this because it's it's a whole new way to do old robber stuff if you know what I mean because normally you either get a player or a fan on and you kind of you get their personal memories so it depends what era they played in or what era they were going to games in. Whereas if you get nine or ten people talking about a fan, it touches eras, players, games, fan stories, bus trips. It reaches all across the Rovers experience. And there's nothing better than Rovers stories, is there? Just sitting yeah. there and listening, soaking it all up and hearing everybody's accounts of what... And the funny thing is, sometimes you're on the same... You could be part of the same story and someone else's story is totally different, even though you've sat there through it and they've taken their own <laughs> account of it and warped it slightly, you know? And and the added bonus of uh, probably requires the least amount of effort of anything we do on this podcast because mm. people just send us WhatsApp voice notes, and it makes it, you know it's just it just makes for good listening as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's just nice. It's nice. So and, and the families are quite happy with it. I mean, ah, they, they, they have to they've be, been in they? touch and they're really appreciative, and it, it's really cool to get those messages. You know that they that they enjoyed it. Mm. So. Um, Keep keep your ears peeled if that makes sense. So uh, we have heavyweight historian Robert Goggins has landed a knockout punch on the senator Mick McCarthy, and he has corrected him about the 1957 team to face Manchester United in the European Cup. He noted that Noel Payton is the fifth member of the team who is still alive, and of course Robert Goggins weighs in with a fact mm-hmm. and uh, gets Mick McCarthy. So uh, big Mick, you'll have to get to brush up on your stats there. So our Spotify playlist is now fully updated, over 270 songs that we've used for intros and outros and even the ones that are banned in Russia, uh, <laughs> wherever we got banned in for using, what was it, What was it? episode 110? Oh, Daddy Cool. Daddy Cool, yeah, we got banned in Russia for using that. Um, 
So check that out. It's on Spotify. It's uh, it's a, it's actually a really good listen because it's mm-hmm. it'd be good to see if you can actually listen and see where what part of the podcast or that's, whereabouts in in our time scale that you actually did listen in. You know, that's actually what I was about to say. You can kind of tell what stage the season was just by our choices, and in in hindsight. Some of our choices of, of music at the start of the virus, you know, virus alert by Weird Al Yankovic, 28 days yeah, later theme. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you can tell maybe we weren't taking it seriously yet. I don't think so. <laughs> and then you got themes like, it's the end of the world as we know it, isolation, ghost town, lonesome boatman, unprecedented, don't stand so close to me. The and personal favourite, that one. Yeah, and then you get kind of games, themes like... Behind closed doors, when will I see you again? Yeah. Let me in by the sensations. This, this <laughs> empty place, television man, and a pub with no beer. <laughs> all, all very good songs. Yeah. Yeah, so that is our Spotify playlist. So Tifty's 150, Prof. It's been a long, long road, 150 episodes. And uh, we've knocked the bollocks out of it, to be honest. It's a shame we can't celebrate with a live audience. And we've some great clips. Um, we play some of the Tifties highlights over the next couple of podcasts. Uh, surely Aussie Nate gets in here. Well, let me explain. Barney this, right? must get in here. We, we've played some of the all time classics before, right? We've played like Aussie Nate and Anto seeing the Leinster Senior Cup. So I didn't want to replay them a second time. So this is more sort of a, a mid 2019 to now best of I'm going for here. So. For a number of reasons, I mean, like, we celebrated our 100th episode in August 2019. So that's when we started replaying Best Bits. And anything after that kind of felt too recent. We'd already played John, Rela- John Delaney clip <laughs> from the 100 show. Plus 2019, we did a lot of skits. It was our last full season of fans. It was our last European trip. So it's a lot of that sprinkled with some 2020. We actually recorded in Norway that year, didn't we? Yeah, she recorded in that in that apartment. We did, yeah. In that penthouse, that was good crack. We recorded us climbing a hill at one point. <laughs> yeah. And I remember someone replying and says, Jeez, Gary sounds out of breath there. <laughs> that was on that was walking home in the game and the, the trains were they just yeah. didn't have trains. After eight o'clock yeah, there's no trains. You have to walk <laughs> twelve kilometres home. Yeah, so uh yeah. So how about Con Morphy talking about the march from Rings End when we won the cup? An emotional Con Morphy and fantastic anecdote from himself as usual and uh, yeah that was that really tugged on the old heartstrings that one yeah that was just such a great day I I missed the crack down in Ring's End I only saw the uh, the footage afterwards and I was just blown away by that um, what happened was um, there was about eight or nine of us who went to the game my sisters and nephews and nephews girlfriends and all that kind of stuff and uh, myself and Lorraine, the other half, go to a gym in uh, Wicklow, and one of the trainers there is Anya Gorman, who played in the Irish international team the other night. And Anya uh, was playing in the the women's cup final beforehand for P Mount, so we actually went into the ground really early um, to kind of watch her match as well. And uh, so we got like seats right on the halfway line because we were in early and really good seats and we were trying to hold seats around us for the sisters and stuff who were arriving um and like i don't know when i think back to the in euro 88 when ireland played england i was at that match in stuttgart and again there was a kind of there was a lot of talk before that game that there was going to be trouble the hooliganism was 
bad at the time and stuff in, in England. And so we got into the ground early just to avoid any shite outside. And I remember watching the atmosphere in Stuttgart that day building. <clears throat> and that day in the Aviva was the exact same because obviously it was pretty empty, almost entirely empty when we got in. And the women's final is going on. And suddenly, you know, you see the flag starting to appear at either end of the ground. And <clears throat> when the march happened from Ring's End and all the Rovers fans just started to pour in. Like from where we were sitting, we could look down at the, at the Rovers' end. And it was just this wave of green and white coming into the stadium. And suddenly <laughs> the noise, the volume turned up. And uh, like, I mean, I'm actually getting the hairs are standing up in the back of my neck, even thinking about it now. Um, and I'm a real softy anyway and I get really emotional about stuff and so like I, I was wearing the scarf that my grandmother had knit for my, my brother who died in, in the 70s who used to go to the matches with us back then and um, so like when Rover scored and it just looked like it was going to be the perfect end to the, the day I, I mean I, like I, I, I'm getting shivers now talking about it um, then Dundalk at the equaliser, and, and uh, were you behind that goal? I was, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I just, I, I just looked around because my sisters and stuff were behind me. I said, "That we're fucked. We're <laughs> fucked." <laughs> you, you weren't the only one. Con. Uh, I thought that was it. I just couldn't see them coming, but having like such a killer blow because you you expend all this energy. I thought the really interesting thing that about Rover scoring. Uh, it was when Joey O'Brien was talking to you and he was saying, you know, I could have killed Aaron for running back down to his family to celebrate the goal mm. instead of going up the other end and just wasting another 30 seconds. For me, that was so interesting because it's such a professional outlook. You know, Joey, classic, Joey was thinking, OK, we've yeah. scored, but let's kill. Let's run the clock down. Let's go. Um, and yet you can understand why Aaron wanted to go down and celebrate. There was a great interview with him in the, the 42 the other day about his dad's love for Rovers and everything. Um, <clears throat> so when the equaliser went in, I just, I thought that was it. And then, you know, that shot that squirmed just wide when, you know, Dundalk came so close to, to winning it in extra time. When it went to penalties then, I, I could just about watch you know, um, I found it really hard Through to watch. Through the fingers. Oh, Jesus. Um, and when Gary O'Neill scored, it was just like incredible. You know, I, my dad was watching it on the telly at home. He wasn't well enough to, to uh, come to the Aviva. But like I was thinking back to all the, you know, the cup finals I would have been with him at, down through the years and, and um, all the games we went to and everything. And I'd love if he had been there. But um Still, the sisters were around me and everybody else and all that. Uh, that's, you know, when they talk about um, sport and and what it means to people and the emotion involved, a day like that, I think, sums it all up. From that march down in, in Rings End, that gathering, like, the, the footage, the, the whoever shot that from uh, two or three stories up, down over the crowd, unbelievable. And, you know, when they talk about the, the, the family that is, you know, uh, the supporters for any team, that was a great example of that. Young, old men, women, the works um, was incredible, uh, really incredible. And like the explosion of joy at the end was just fantastic. You know, that that's a day when you're 90, you'll still remember that day clearly, you know, and so will I.
If I make it to 90. <laughs> about Big Gav Bazunu talking about his dorm at Manchester City and wanting to play for Ireland one day as well. So, just Big Gav. And in your dorm on site at City's training centre, you have a hoops calendar hanging on your wall, I believe, along with a team poster that yeah, you're a part right, of. Yeah. So, you haven't forgotten your roots? No, no, no. Yeah, Rovers gear all around my room. That's uh, that's what it is. What else is up on the wall? Um, I'm trying to think now. I think I have um, a few pictures of family and friends. Like you said, the calendar, team photo. Um, I think I have a few few jerseys hanging up. Um, some some Ireland jerseys, some City jerseys. Yeah, I think that's it. And I was reading in the same interview that the Spanish lads aren't too fond of the music you play. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think they appreciate some of the some of the Irish songs. So you got the likes of Christy Moore and the Wolf Tones. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And it was Stephen Rice and Pat Flynn who got you into that sort of music. Yeah, yeah, pa- Padre was a big influence in that music. I remember on a lot of the away trips um, with the under 17s he would he would have loved that music and he would have got me into that. Your Irishness is obviously it obviously means a lot to you. You've several caps for the Ireland under twenty ones. Imagine you have ambitions to play for the Ireland senior team eventually, and it's good that you've already played under Stephen Kenny, so he'd know what you're about. Should that happen one day? Yeah, so like I've I've I'm born in Ireland. Um, grew up watching Ireland. Like I'm, I'm Irish. I want I want to play for Ireland. Uh, so hopefully. If I can keep keep developing and keep working hard, that I'll get the chance one day. And yeah, like you said, I played played under Stephen Kenny last year, um, and he's a brilliant coach to work under. Really enjoyed it. Um, so hopefully, I'll get the chance to do that again. And your younger brother Todd is the goalkeeper with the Robbers under thirteens as well. So we might see another Bazunu and goal in the near future in Tada. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, if he if he can keep working hard himself, yeah, you never know. How about the time I operated the PA at Tala for a game and had some interesting ways of saying Jack Bourne and Joel Kustrain. How about when Les Ferdinand did a soundboy for us? Hi, I'm Les Ferdinand and you're listening to the Tales from the East End podcast. And how about the Usher prank phone call after he became famous for sneaking out of a wedding and nabbing and getting a taxi to Denny Mount Park for the FAI Cup semi-final? Hi, could I speak to Ryan Usher? Yeah, who's this? Ryan, this is Dermot Callahan from RTE. I'm on the Late Late Show, the casting director. Would you would you have a minute? How are you, 
Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I just I got your number off the guys in the sun, and I just read your story. I thought it was fantastic. Would Would you be interested in coming yeah. into us on Friday? Sorry. Would you be interested in coming into us on Friday? On Friday. Yeah, yeah. we're we're on the Stillorgan Road there in RT Studios. Now, now I'll just make it aware to twist your arm a little bit. We we have a four hundred euro fee, and you can bring two guests, and there's a complimentary bar. So if you've ever been to like the winning streak or anything, it's it's a free bar. So your friends can come no in, way. and and it, yeah, I know it's it's the way we rope them in, you know. But even so, yeah, we could. Cool, yeah. So tell me, like, if if we were going to do like a quick montage of like some photographs where we'd put them on the screen and we we do like an audio. So I mean, it, the audio yeah. seems okay now. But what we do now normally is we go off air now in a minute or two, and we'll just have like a sound check. Now, the best way to get the octaves for the sound check is it's more noises more than more than audio. So I if I'm gonna call out names of a couple of animals, and if you could just kind of make the noise. The, <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. It sounds it sounds crazy. Listen, I know n- nobody seems to believe yeah, me, but yeah. it, it sounds crazy. So nobody. just let me stop the recording. Hold on. Yeah. All right, now now I'm just going to call it a couple. Just it because when you record your your larynx, it kind of just it, it it contrasts and it just makes the noise sound a lot better. So I'm going to call it a couple of animals and just just do the noise for me if you can. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's um, cat. Meow. Dog. Uh, chicken. Chicken, eh? That was a chicken. <laughs> that was a, a goat. Yep. A tiger. And and a fox. Fox. I I always throw in the fox at the end just to trick them. And how about that poem by the Bowles fan we interviewed? We've no more desire for titles. Lord Lambert will not allow. What's on the pitch plays second fiddle to the streets where we call foul. Fanatical, ungrammatical about daily mounts, botanicals. Save the nobly leaves, willow trees, refugees, nice antiquities. No more interest in ballers. Just rare out in more street stallers. Sketch here's the guy that we should all be driving riders. But electric, eclectic, skeletric, round and round, this rare old town drags me down, we'll paint it brown, like an old penny from heaven, good old Dublin 7, bang bang, it does the round, but our ground is falling down, but it's kitsch, scratch that hipster rich, forget what happens on the pitch, Lambert's made this club his bitch. Oh, that was brilliant, that was brilliant. <laughs> Um, how about Armac and F doing Connor's Corner and then the song we made for Barry's voice message something about a banana remember he tried to interpret it that's how he tried to get him to translate it wasn't it <laughs> brilliant alright so we have uh, it's probably one of my favourite sections now we have all sorts of segments and, and a bit of crack on, on the show but this is called Connor's Corner right now Aaron you would be familiar with this there's a young Robert's fan named Connor Foley and he's in our WhatsApp group and when he has a few drinks in him he tends to talk absolute garbage and <laughs> he tends to hurt himself quite a lot as well. So um we're gonna uh we're gonna read out some of the messages on the show and slowly as, as dramatically as possible. So we're gonna let you do the first three, right? Now just read them out from whatever you see, don't try and make sense of them. The first one Connor wrote in the pub during the Champions League final, the second one's about the Eurovision, and the third one was when someone brought into question the shape of his head. Shape of his big fat head. So uh, Johnny Blue's coming into the bar now. Oh yeah. 
There's the man I mentioned. The giant beard. So I have to just read them out as I see them. So here we have Connor's so corner. I'm just reading what I see here. Yep. Just read what you see. This place is Bogery. Then this group chat. Good gracious, some fella just alright Scousla. <laughs> so that's that's kinda new. This is this is a, this was a regular thing for a while. Wait, wasn't the next it? one's about the Eurovision. Usually good looking burrs, all those Eastern European. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we have him talking about uh, the size of his head. I'm head is unreasonable size. <laughs> Wrong with it, Phil. And then he wrote after the dirty game. Oh man, he's clever on me. You know, we we look at him. He's a good guy, but he just English would be a strong point. So this is after the dirty trip he wrote. He said, "I eat sitting and Stephen Kafroigaf as wecked eat decked." So that's him talking about. I don't even know. I think he's eating, was he? He was, he was having something to eat after a night out. Then he says, Wish S Club. He means what a club. <laughs> oh, what a club! Yes, yeah, so I mean, you'd have a great trip or whatever, and you just write, What a club. <laughs> Wish S Club. We'll save the best at last. Help! With five L's. Bits. I is love. Des Kleb Yeah is yeah Home Est Thinking about a Row yes It's like Homer having fat fingers Does he be saying these like Saying them or writing them He's writing them like so This is all being wrote out So we have an interpreter on the WhatsApp group as well Maloney He can usually decipher them and give us a translation with that one. I ain't gonna ask. So, um, yeah, no more Euro for El uh, Berry Bear this year. The, the dog is the dog. This same fella, the dog got his passport yesterday, was it? Yeah. He put up a photo. The dog just chewed up his passport. This fella is just uh, he's hilarious. But um, so yeah. Hope you all enjoy the show. I know one man who definitely enjoyed it. So, a uh, big thank you to to the bear. Our, our, he's, he's Connor's corner now in audio form. That's <laughs> what you've all been waiting for. He's the darling of the Rover support. He's he mm. really is a great kid. So he sounds like Rops Rovaniemi's announcement of Dan Carasini <laughs> in Finnish. <laughs> For, for now uh, the Vinnie Pert song the saviour of the League of Ireland yeah calling this a pub league uh, a shambles of the league I can't accept that as a League of Ireland man so 
uh, this isn't a public and I won't have anyone disrespecting League of Ireland it's, it's too important Vinny the, the other manager Vinny Vinny Perth yeah. you defend the league till the last whether you're manager here or whether you're back in all the high When the league is, is being criticised like that, I, I feel it's important we defend it. Mm. Vinny, the, the other manager? Vinny. Vinny Perth, yeah. Welcome to Tales of Eastland, episode one, three, what's it? So uh, we've had some, we've had some funny, funny moments, alright. It'll come flooding back to me now as well, actually. Yeah, um, yeah that's it for the moment. Uh, next week will be very Pat Flynn, Aussie Nay, Winston, and Europe heavy. Oh yes, there's a teaser now. Europe, uh, fantastic time following hoops. Um, yeah, so we beat Dundalk 2-1 in Tala and we made three changes to the team with Cavo, Lee Grace and Aaron Green all made their first start to the season. Green replaced Gaffney up from scales, moved to centre-back as Joey O'Brien was injured and Pico was forced to quarantine after international duty. So, free Pico. Yeah, um, happy, enough, happy enough with these changes. Yeah, we're, especially the greener one. And I think we all would have started Sean Cavan at the start of the season we, we yeah, want him there definitely what I will say about Cavo is I think he still is only getting back to fitness because if you've noticed Roy once or twice when he had the ball out on the left he'd usually do his all little trick you know try and run past the player but he was very quick to pass the ball early I noticed in the in the first maybe half or maybe 60 minutes that he did play and it's just I'm hoping that it's just a cautionary thing where he's you know just getting back to fitness but he wasn't. He's not. He's obviously still getting back to fitness, and he's. He's the injury might be playing on his mind. But he did. He did look. Didn't look the the cabinet we know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the backup to cabinet would be Faruja, and he made the bench because he he'd have been injured for a few weeks there, hadn't he? Yeah. Did you see the strength of the docks bench? They had Junior and McMillan. Yeah, it's pretty good. Junior comes on and just does a lot of step overs, and then that's <laughs> it. Goes home. Yeah. Also like, on the bench, they had Jesus. Uh, at Easter, no less. Yeah, there, there was a couple of puns made, all right. They knew what they were doing there, I think. Uh, nice evening for a game, but deceptively cold, as usual, in Tata. It's been like that lately. Mm. You're looking out and you're thinking, oh, it's lovely. And you go out and it's Baltic, but the sun is shining. Uh, the prize this week are for Leolis in attendance. Uh, very, very easy. Now, a certain Italian was very loud. That, that's, <laughs> is that, that what it was? That, that's true, but no. I'm giving the award to Jose. Who was sitting really? up, sitting up behind me? Uh, yeah, children, cover your freaking ears. It's not exactly as if he needs to be barking orders at this, all, is it? This this man swears and shouts a lot. What uh? What give us a give us an example there? <sighs> Just everything, <laughs> every every decision. Alan the Macamanus. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's not Italian. <laughs> what the hell? 
He particularly does not like referees, I noticed. Okay, he's like a, he's like a dog with a postman, is he? Yeah. Uh, someone sent this to us. Sorry, I haven't written down the, the person's name. He asked, Do Rovers have an official partner with a barber? Some very tidy haircuts out there for lockdown. Oh, I saw that actually, yeah. They, uh, they could have an official barber, but I don't think we'd be... I think we could land ourselves into trouble there if we talk about that one. I know, was it McLaughlin or the referee last week? I think it was McLaughlin. It was a very, terrible haircut. Very, you know, fresh cut there. I think the ma put the ball over his head. <laughs> Start cutting. But uh, yeah, Brian Garland uh, stretched it off in the first five minutes, tackled by fresh air. Um, he just buckled, didn't he? His knee, his, I think it was his right yeah. knee. It looked, it looked a bad one. Hopefully he's not. He's not. We don't wish injury on anybody. But uh, there was no challenge whatsoever. He went down himself. Didn't hopefully he? he's okay. And I think he runs a rehab center himself anyway. So he's mm. he'll he'll know what the crack is. Especially at his age, you wouldn't want him to suffer a serious injury. Yeah, yeah. No, he's one of the more likable characters in the league. I think he's not one of the hate figures. So mm. yeah, hopefully uh, wish him all the best. Uh, a couple of shots from outside the box by Bork and McCann were saved. Uh, McCann's one camera save, pretty easy. Me and you would have saved it, tipped it over. Tipped bar. it over. It was, I think it was going over anyway. Wasn't I think it was going over, but you but, couldn't. Uh, have it. I was really enjoying our like our first touch, quick passing game with a nice tempo. This first half hour, isn't it gorgeous? I really liked it. It's just really quick, and that's when you know things are starting to click. I mean, those passages of play we spoke about this before. It just opens up teams. It really does. And it's so quick. And I think we spoke about this before as well as the training. They always do a Rabona. I think it's a Rabona. Or that's the flick, isn't it? What's the name of it where everybody stands in a circle and you just have to... Uh, oh, God. It's not... It's Piggy in the middle. Pretty much. Pretty much. But uh, everybody has... There's no Piggy. There's no Piggy and they just... <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I can't remember the name of it. But either way, it's all about getting your first touch right yeah. and the ball getting played at you. So... Yeah, it's, it's it's really good. And from the very first minute of this game, it was very noticeable. Danny Mandroyu was up for this. Big time. He was always making the smart pass. Now, was he possibly afforded more time on the ball than Pats gave him? Because Pats were pressing. They were up as well, but Pats played yeah. that pressing game, though. They did yeah. it in their last game as well. But yeah, no, totally agree with you with Danny. He was well up for it. Very, very clever with his movement, yeah. pressing off the ball. And just the way he manoeuvres himself in and out of tackles, like there could be a 50-50... The way he'll move his his feet, he'll get himself in a really good position where he's either going to hold on to the ball or be fouled. And it just opens up the play brilliantly. He's, he's, he's top class when it comes to that now, yeah. I have to say. So Dundalk's best chance saw uh, Liam Scales just stop holding at the near post just as he was about to possibly uh, poke it in there. So that was their best chance in the first half. So I do I like the, the build-up play to... Our goal before the free kick, it's 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 just lovely. Everybody is always looking for the forward pass. There's there's just always something on for us. Like that's it. We don't we haven't really struggled or been laboured in our approach. And those little pass, fast passages of play that we're talking about, they just open up teams so well. And that's what, the way it worked. I think Scales took the free or who took it. Either way, it was just bounced back to Danny and he it was like a it. little triangle. Of yeah, one those triangles passes. are lethal. It's a nice setup. Yeah, so um, fantastic stuff there. And belted in with the rifle. Absolute screaming. And it kind of swerved. It didn't yeah. curl. It swerved from the left to the right. Was Gary Obviously the second goal. We know all about that. But was Gary Rogers criticising for this goal too? I think because he was in a way because... He didn't really stretch for it. Yeah, he could have put his ar- he could have dived and put his arms through. He just kind of watched it go in. And I, I don't understand where Rogers is coming from with I that. I got the impression he either saw it later or he just thought he was beaten. Mm. But it was a cracker anyway, and oh, uh, was great stuff from Danny. 
Uh, who I actually tipped the score first last week. Here. I think I, I think we called it as well. I think yeah. I, I think we called the score. I think we got the correction right as well. No, I think I said one nil. Enjoy you. So I, I think I went two one. I think I uh, for every time right, we yeah. say Bork yeah. takes a shot outside the box, we should donate for the charity. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be, be in the money yeah. by the end of the season. I interviewed him afterwards. He said he was very angry when he hit it. Oh yeah, that's you it. Tell. Taking out the the frustration yeah. on the football. Emma Wheatley was impressed with my pronunciation. I learned it from you, Emma. Mandroy. Mandroy, you have to roll your R, prof. Come on, practice it. Roll your R's. Mandroy. I'm saying it properly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that was pretty much it for the first half, and we saw it out. And, um, yeah, we're happy enough with that first half. Um, I think mm. there was, I mean, Finna runs for days. Uh, it's just an impressive. Like, McCann is doing a lot that he's not getting credited for, I think. And he's just, he's built, like like he said in his interview at the start of the season, so he likes to start attacks. He is the centre of our our play. Yeah. He is where everything starts. Just watch him. Watch him in the next couple of games or re-watch some of the games. He starts everything in the middle of the pitch. It all goes through him. And it's yeah. it's brilliant. He really has been. I wonder does he go unnoticed a lot of the time I think he during does. the game. I think he does. He does a lot of good work. He doesn't lose the ball that often. I think he does. He's doing a lot of, a lot of good work. He's going to be a big player for us. Um, yeah, so the second half, Ralph. Uh, straight away penalty claim uh, Penal all day especially if you watch the sales stand view Penal all day once this, again this fantastic hooks. stuff from SRFC TV prof that's giving right. us all sorts of views that's Raf. Uh, big shout out to Raf. especially from that angle uh, I think this is a penal Penal all day seriously the ball ugh, it's frustrating it really is but it's a big big call and he, he failed so that's that's another notch on McLaughlin's belt isn't it Shout out to Raf as well. He did that inside match day. You know that two minute video on Twitter. Brilliant, yeah, that was phenomenal. Absolutely top you know class. What, that that's, media team are knocking it out of the park at the minute. That sort of video it actually creates an aura around Rovers, which I'm not used to feeling about any League of Ireland club or game. It kind of makes you feel privileged to get into the game, I'd say as well, because if you're watching that beforehand, it gives you a little buzz, it gives you a little insight into what's going on, it makes it feel like a real club, you know. Mm. And, and you're you're in there all of a sudden. They're looking around, and going, "This this is like trending on Twitter or whatever." You know, it's it's I, class. I think it's the slow mo that's just really really has to. But um, yeah, Aaron Green also had a goal ruled out for offside. Uh, lovely move and finish. But uh, was he off? Was he just off? Flag went up. Uh, not sure. Excellent stuff again. We carved them open, and on second watch, they didn't have them as many chances as I thought. Do you know what I mean? I don't think they were anywhere near as dominant as what was being made out to to, to be so uh, we'll talk about Dundalk hit the woodwork three times although one was off so is uh, Alan O'Manis saved uh, low onto the post this was outrageous oh this was outrageous Alan McManus look at how he gets a hand on this Alan McManaman unbelievable uh, <laughs> Alan Manioni Octa he <laughs> When the ball came in, he was totally unmarked Holman. Totally unmarked. Freedom of talent. And he had the time and space to propel himself like a human bullet. Diving header. Bury it into the ground. And Alan Manioni Octa just managed to tip it onto the crossbar. It was unbelievable. Watch his face as well. He's He's got just... Everything is focused on the ball. It's unbelievable. Outrageous cross by Shields as well. Yeah, he, I thought he had a good game. He yeah. looks, he looks, uh, he looks lost or maybe fed up. I think he's. I don't think he'll last another season with them. He'd either move on or retire. I think he's just looking around, thinking this is 
he's fed up. Like it's just a, it's just he's seeing now the end of his career. Like I'd say that dressing room is a joke. It just goes to show what a difference a good goalkeeper can make. Uh, the phrase was used, wasn't it? A tale of two goalkeepers. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, Gary O'Neill came off the bench. Um, I have a question for you, Gary. What? This was Gary O'Neill's first appearance since when? Do you, mm. do you think? Because I I had to check. I wasn't sure. He was injured towards the end of last season, wasn't he? Oh, balls. Bows away last season. Bows away. No, we started with bows away. There was a home in our bows. The one nil where. Well, just give me a month. I'll say home to bows one nil where I think it was Laff got a le- got got the goal didn't he? It was a bit after that. It was October second against Sligo. So First the appearance was the Gary O'Neill predicament what what is going on is he injured is he lacking match practice I, I saw him stand up and take his, his jacket off I was like he lives oh, he's risen Gary from the dead Gary lives um, yeah and then we'll move on to the goal prof and uh, that's enough Alan no Manis and he had a fantastic game making all the saves in the world but 2-0 on 76 minutes with Dylan Watts and the lack of pressing or care given by Dundalk for this goal oh nuts. man just let him have it. Like. The first time I watched his back, I just I couldn't believe my eyes how much time how and space there. Angry would you make? Would this make you as a manager? But even that, your man. Do you know who I thought was actually good for them? Your man Stan Stanton was it or Sam Stanton? Mm. He was good in the middle of the park for them, but he was getting an instruction off Filippo, and he was he, his hands were just up in the air like what the fuck? What what's he saying like? But then someone else was shouting at him as well. Yeah, Filippo and Keegan were alternating. That's it. It was Keegan. I think it's like you get the first half, flip a coin, who gets the first, who gets mm. the second. But the two of them were giving Stan, Sam Stanton uh, instructions and he was just like, who the fuck and am I listening the, to And here? then the tea lady gets involved and she's yeah. like, push up. <laughs> Into the channels. Um, get out. Yeah, that's that's it. It was unbelievable. And I was looking at it going, this isn't going to last much longer. Majilton's in the background as well, probably throwing his, his spoke in. <laughs> it's not going to last much longer. I don't think Shane Keegan will. He's managing the GAA team. He's a manager of a GAA team. In poor leash. How? How can that happen? It's a shambles. I'm delighted. So this goal, I mean, everyone sees it. It goes under the keeper's arms. Uh, what's, what's the keeper doing? What's the goal doing? <laughs> what's the goal doing? Um, also love how clear he gives the ball away leading up to it. Just beautiful. Yeah, it was really, really poor from them though. I mean, they yeah. give us all the time. The world, and that's what we're doing. We're punishing. Mm. We should be punishing teams when we get the ball in these positions. But um, I reckon he'll be dropped next week anyway. Uh, actually, I have a plea to make on this podcast. Uh, this, this comes from the heart. Give a BB a chance. <laughs> just just keep playing him. Give him a chance. Just give him a chance. I mean, he deserves it. You know what I mean? He's a good guy. Yeah, so a goal for Watts. He, he loves a goal against Dundalk, doesn't he? That's his third. I was only thinking that. That's the third was, one now. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking that the 3-2 one, yeah. one, one is actually a tough finish as well. Into the yeah. ground. Last minute pen on Oriel Park. Yeah, mayhem. Um, yeah, um, so, yeah, so then really we had more heroics by Alan McManus. Uh, this one, this is one of the only ones that didn't come off the woodwork. This was just a save uh, from close range, wasn't it? He got a hand on it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was Roy Adam, but it was there was all the power in the world in it, and it was yeah. a really good shot. You, have, you still have to save them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could have went by him. I think. 
was it some? I think Abibi had some a similar one go in before, but it, I'm not. I'm not too sure. But either way, you have to save those. They're coming right at you at pace and speed. So yeah, really good save. Valid man the match. I think, I think it was deserved. Definitely. Yeah, this was a, a debated topic on the Tifties WhatsApp group, but uh, I thought McCann was brilliant. Uh, Hor was excellent again. Some really good performances. Um, it's hard. It's it's mad to get a keeper to get a uh, random match in the tune of the win, is it? Yeah. But yeah, really happy with performances all around. Um, two one on eighty nine minutes. Pat Holben goal. Um, what was it? Header. Another great Cross ball from ball, Shields. Yeah. Excellent ball. Yeah, he's he's a ping on him, all right. Um, yeah, so that made it two one, and we 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 rarely make it easier for ourselves, do we? So no. this this led to a very nervy ending indeed. And uh, McLaughlin did his best. He fourteen minutes of injury time or something. Thought he'd forgotten his yellers. Uh, yeah, at one yeah, stage. At one stage, it was mental. Yeah, took him eighty three minutes to book shields. There was a uh, a couple of people in the main stand just letting Holman know that it's a long season. Oh, I'm getting to that. Not to worry about it. Yeah. But the performance overall, I think Brad's said about Lee Grace. He said Lee had no chance of playing. He's supposed to be out for a few weeks and he came during the week and said he's ready to play. He was fantastic. That's the sort of attitude of group mentality that we have. And Lee was a bit dodgy, but that's lack of match practice. And let's be honest, yeah. Lee Brace was or Lee Grace was in a brace last week. So uh that's yeah. that's nuts. Like he was injured last week. He couldn't, he won't he's playing on pain. You know what I mean? So Brilliant he, for he me, was, Grace. He was rusty, but very understandably yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, we probably missed Pico and Joey's organisation there at the back, didn't totally we? Totally agree, yeah. A little bit dodgy, but still, the lads who played all stepped up. and but We won with kind of comfort, like really. The last 10 minutes, maybe. Or just mm. just towards when they scored. But other than that, they're, they're going to struggle. I, I think they will. If it wasn't for like the core of that team, they're really, really going to struggle. I think so. Just take out Shields. If you take out Shields... From that team, I think that they're going to struggle big time. He's the cog in the middle of the park. He's he's vital for them. And as as vital as Holman is, I think they'd miss Shields more. They need three or four of their new signings to be firing on all cylinders. Yeah, definitely. For I'm, them to have a good I was season. actually thinking of you when you said that. I said you, you were we were commenting on all the journeymen and mercenaries coming in. And you were you were saying, well, one of them has to click. I think it's going to be the Latvian. Mm. He looks very good. My money's on the little Korean boy. The little Korean boy. I thought the Latvian played well now. Um, credit to, to Rory Gaffney as well. He was great in the closing minutes. What a super sub this fella is. He comes on yeah. and he's full of beans. <laughs> full of energy. He's a bundle of energy. He just runs around and he could have had a goal. He had a pop yeah. with his left, didn't he? He warmed yeah, yeah. his way. He warmed his way in and out of the fence and just popped it with his left. He ran down the clock. He was, he was, he was very good. Yeah. Um, as for performances, um, from the first three games, you you have to say Sean Hoare has been very good. He's been unbelievable. He's been so good. Uh, everything about his game. He's an, an attacking threat from set pieces. He's playing the ball out from the back. His passing's a little bit uh, wayward at times. That's that's the, that's not even a complaint. That's just just an observation. But he's been brilliant. He's been absolutely brilliant since he came to the club. Delighted to have him in. I saw pointed out that. Last year we needed our very best performance of the season to beat Dundalk to edge them out three two. Yeah. This time, not at our best, we still beat them. Yeah. And I'm, we could have beaten by a lot more, to be honest. I mean, the penal decision should have went our way. The overall play, I didn't see any stats, possessions, or anything like that. But I think we would have had the the lion's share of it. 
Well, uh, I think we're a better team overall. Keegan had his own stats. He said that they confined us to pot shots, and he said that they had six on target to our three. All right, so he he got he took mm-hmm. those, and he said we we confined them to pot shots. Uh, they, they can find us. us. I don't know about that. I think we carved them open a couple of times. But yeah, that's that's just uh, a difference of opinion, isn't it? So uh, go win the derby anyway, prof. <laughs> great, great derby win. The fuck was that about? The one day you take off. The <laughs> one day you, you seriously shit falls down, falls apart. You go missing for the day. And fucking derby versus Dundalk. <laughs> oh God. God, moving on. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, Prof, you had a your old poor old Pahov and got a bit of abuse, did he? He did. A certain chef and that certain chef's father, uh, they were directing comments towards Mister Hoban uh, when he scored. Uh, what was shouted at him was, "It's only half a goal, Hoban." <laughs> <laughs> and then when he was leaving out through the tunnel, it was, "It's only thirty-four games left, Hoban." Yeah, that's it. You reap what you sow, don't you? Yeah, and he looked up, and he couldn't stand it. Lovely. He just looked down. Love again. when they acknowledge it. That's yeah. the, that's all you want. That's all you want. You just want the acknowledgement. <laughs> uh, so the first seven games in April, um, it's a big, big month, isn't it, Prof? So we go away on Saturday. Big, big month ahead of us, and yeah, it's a packed schedule, all right? Yeah, it's gonna be a tough one. But so, uh, we have Ariel Webb reaction first, Gar, before you move on. Oh, this is great. Yep. Can you do it in the accent? No, I can't. I'll try and do it. Right? So here's a selection of some of the comments. Uh, first one. Send an Uber to Tala for the four selectors. The TLA. Selectors? <laughs> oh, it's how gay is that? How old-fashioned the word is that? For the selectors, the tea lady and the BB, please. They need to go now. Another comment. Sorry, I'm just hooking this to my veins. <laughs> Excuse me while I hook to my veins. Next uh, comment. Who was the clown that signed them? Him being a BB. Uh, Filippo went went on holidays and came back home with him. <laughs> Seen him playing volleyball in the pool. <laughs> He's alright. This is my favourite of Jerry Malone, aka Live at Oriel on Twitter. This right. fella is gold. It's I don't think he's real. I think it's a parody account. Gary, these these two tweets are from the same person. Uh, I feel like people won't believe me. But these are from the same person. Two different. He's comments, not. He's not real. He's right? not a real man. Before the match, he said, "The Irish Sun predictably goes at Rovers to win. I think Dundalk will crush the so-called Invincibles. Prediction: Dublin media to leave Tala in shock at their heroes losing after the match. Okay. Again, same person." Dundalk are in crisis. Managers out of their depth. Dundalk going nowhere. Could be bottom of the table after tomorrow's games. This fella's off his head. <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? Jesus. It shows you what 90 minutes can do to a person. <laughs> 90 minutes earlier? Yeah. They're going to crush the Invincibles. And now they're in crisis. Um, yeah, so that's that's a bit that's a bit mental. <laughs> we'll add... So, um, yeah, one more. Not from, not from that, sorry. Um... Our old pal Alan Keane, Gar. Nemesis of yours. Fucking alien head. <laughs> he decided to uh, stick his oar in. He's, he's, I saw this. I yeah. couldn't believe how uh, ill-informed it was. He's trying his hat at the old punditry. So, he referred to this his game as... His very large hat at the punditry. <laughs> he referred to the game as 
A quiet affair. Yeah, okay. Is Three goals, an offside goal, penalty claims, woodwork hit twice, end to end stuff. Quiet affair. Yeah, quiet affair. What I think clown. He, oh yeah, just, I think the, the less we hear from him, the better. Um, just, I don't have a stats section, so I'm just going to launch this one in here. We are now on our longest unbeaten league run in 94 years. <laughs> Get in there. 24 league games unbeaten since October 2019. So that puts us third in our all-time unbeaten league runs. The best ever was 30 from 1926 to 27. Next best was 26 Ooh. from 1923 to 25. So we're six off our all-time record, which is an all-time league record, by the way. No other club has Ooh, so we can break than, our own record yeah. and the league record. No Who holds that? Who holds that? That's what I'm saying. This is a record. Oh, so we hold yeah. it. Okay, yeah. okay. Lovely stuff. Um, yeah, so that was the reaction from Oral Web and a few stats from the prof. But the game was viewed by over 240,000 people live on RTE. And can we just reiterate that that is the reach figure, Fergus McCormick. Thank you very much. He has enlightened us to say that that is the figure for people who tune in for over a minute or more. So overall, but still, it's a good figure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fair play to all the, the watchers out there. So we're going to move also, on. Also notice, um, noticeable for... Uh, the TV debut of Stephen Kenny's glasses. Stephen Kenny, <laughs> he's did, he, you, did you see? He this? is spectacled now, is he? Gar, I have genuinely not seen a pair of glasses more unsuited to a human man. <laughs> Does it make him? Oh God, no, Gary. Just what? What is he doing? <laughs> it's not his fault. He has bad eyesight. No. I'm the shape of the glasses I'm talking about. Oh, he's gone for the Mrs. Merton look, has he? Oh my god, they're hideous. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so next up we have Prof's mate. Your mate, yeah? You, your little buddy. You're, you're giving away the ending of this uh, segment, Gar. Just be, be neutral. So, uh, yeah, next up we have Pico. Quarantine Pico. Hashtag free Pico. Uh, so we're joined by Rovers defender Roberto Lopez, uh, live from a Dublin hotel. This has to be a first. Uh, it's the official Quarantine Pico interview. I'm um, thinking of heading down there myself with a free Pico banner. But uh, I sure rules are rules, I suppose. But uh, how are you getting on there? Uh, I'm all good, Kyle. Well, it's, it's tough, to be honest with you, uh, in here. Like, um, you miss so much. You miss the football, obviously. You miss your friends. You miss your family. Like, um, But look, I'm I'm getting by every day. And what I need to do with little bits to, to entertain me. But uh, I suppose uh, I'm angry and I'm frustrated it's being in here in the first place. But what can you do? You much better be in Crublin, but uh, are you doing your drills in your room? Are you trying to keep fit there? Yeah, I'm trying to do what I can. Like so, like obviously, I only allowed 15 minutes of exercise or fresh air, as they call it here, um, three times a day. Like so, in them little short bursts, I'm trying to get in as far as much cardio as I can. I've put saying that the grass isn't great here for for running on in terms of how unstable it is and potential hazards. So I've been taking up skipping. Um, I got a skipping rope chopped into me uh, by my girlfriend's mother um, and it's, it's been brilliant so that's been keeping me going and uh, I have a football here to, to smack against the wall and annoy everybody and then I have a few, uh, few weights of it, TRX and resistance bands so I can keep myself busy in the room and, and taking over Has there been any taps on the wall yet about that football? Yeah, I've had a few, had a few people make complaints and wonder, <laughs> wondering if they're going to put a hole in the wall like, but look 
this is it. I, I told them multiple multiple times. If they're not happy, they can send me home. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's the Easter Sunday as we record this. So happy Easter to you and a uh, happy birthday to Jason Maloney as well, who he has to uh, isolate himself as well, unfortunately. So we send our best wishes, to Jason, and uh, get well soon, Jason. Hundred percent. I was actually sent a message on to Jay. Oh, I hope he got it. Like, and we're all thinking of him and hoping the same. So I'm back from Tallis Stadium, giving the referee stick. You did. You got a few messages off yourself and the players. Yeah, you, you loved it. So yeah, Pete, we weren't sure if anyone was ready to be our special guest because this is actually our 150 50th anniversary. So it's a big occasion for the podcast. But you know what? Once you made your Wait, competitive debut, yeah, one fifty. Once you made your competitive debut for Cape Verde, you beat Cameroon, qualified for the African, African Cup of Nations. We thought, okay, Pico's our man. He's our guest because that is a fantastic <laughs> achievement. So tell us about the game itself. It looked a bit of a windstorm that day. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm honoured to be uh, a special guest on the 150, 150th episode. Congratulations. Um, yeah, the, the trip um, that ended up being of the Cameroon at home it was just fantastic. Obviously, it's a lot of pressure. Going into us, going into the two games, and we knew we would probably come down to the Mozambique game, whether we qualified or not. But uh, I suppose you see, like in, in African football, you see Cameroon as a as a massive nation, and to be coming up against them, like it's it, it was amazing. Like I'm kind of thinking over, like what would this happens and he'll be playing, and what you're up against, like so to be able to play in that game first and foremost was a was a huge proud moment for me. Like and I was delighted to be a part of it. Uh, the game itself probably wasn't uh, a great spectacle, as you say. It was uh, it was very windy, and uh, the pitch doesn't help. Like so, we were up against the storm, but we managed to manage the conditions really well. And look, to, to score three goals against Cameroon, I think you're deserving of them. You have to work hard for them, and it's just a fantastic result. And everyone in the dressing room was was buzzing after it, and it really does give us a it gave us a lift going into the final game against Mozambique. What's the reaction been like from not just the players and staff, but the locals in Cape Verde? What's the reaction like to this result? Ah, it's fantastic. It's incredible. Like it's just everyone's so so like so proud. And like I remember coming off the pitch, and even our, our cameraman, he, he was bawling his eyes out, crying. He just said, "You've just made me so happy." Like and it's actually a great photo of him um, celebrating one of the goals when he should have been taking the the picture. Like so. Uh, <laughs> It's such a you can actually see it like in people's faces and people's reactions. They're going back to the hotel, there's people like clapping you off the streets and all like it it really does uh, sit with them and then um, you, you feel that like you feel their energy like and you want to do the nation proud. That one was behind closed doors, obviously. But how many times have we actually played in front of a crowd for Cape Verde and what was it like? Are they fanatical? I haven't actually played in front of a crowd in Cape Verde. Um I mean, I've seen the first time I played was over in Marseille. And then um, managed to a few Cape Verdeans uh, made it to the stadium who were living in, in Marseille. And there's probably only about 50 of them, but it sounded like 500. Um, but yeah, they're, they're great supporters. And from what I heard, when they are in that stadium, like, they really do make themselves known. Like, and even like as I driving home after the Cameroon game to the hotel, like, there was people out in the streets waving us, clapping us on, like, cheering. Like, so it was great to see. So Cape Verde, of course, they're on the list of uh, high-risk countries to fly in from Ireland. Uh, we thought you'd be classed as an elite athlete, so we didn't think you'd be affected. We weren't sure of the ins and outs, but what was the series of events as you found out that you could play the Cameroon game, but then as a consequence, you'd be holed up in a hotel afterwards for 12 days? Yeah, so obviously it was new information uh, to all of us, I think, as I, already was, as I was over in Cape Verde. 
I think it was first of all, it was my girlfriend who, who texted me saying this mandatory hotel quarantine is coming in and was worried as if, if I um, if I had to do it or not. And like yourselves, I thought like, right, there's an exemption there in some regards to elite sports persons. Um, and I think I qualify as one playing for Shamrock Rovers in League of Ireland. So I just queried it with the club doctor and he was, um, he was fairly sure that I'd be all right. And then it was the... I think it was the Wednesday, so the game was on Friday, and it was the Wednesday or Thursday that the club uh, contacted me. Thursday it was, sorry, it was Thursday the day before the game, club pack, they contacted me to say that we could be in a bit of trouble here. So I kind of knew then, and I was a bit raging because obviously you want to, you want to be a part of the whole trip, um, the, the two qualifiers, because we knew at the end of the campaign whether we'd qualify it or not. Like, so you just wanted to be part of it. Like, but, um, look, I think the best case scenario was being able to to play against, playing a huge match against Cameroon and obviously come home after the game it's not ideal but this is what um, this is the best probably case scenario and I felt that once I got to the hotel I'd be able to appeal it and hopefully my me, me sentence would get reduced if it was, if it was in prison but like I was fully sure that would happen and um, when my uh, two appeals were rejected really like, and that just kind of it took the kind of gloss off of the whole trip because like, I was obviously on such a high like after beating Cameroon and then even still going to the hotel, it's just like, right, no, look, fair enough. Like, the lads still, can do, still do the job in Mozambique, but then when you realise you're not getting out until you do the full 10 or 12 days, whatever it is, it just kind of takes a bit away from the joy that you've had over the, the trip. If you had played in that game in Mozambique, it would have been a camel trek to make it back in time. How many different flights would you have had to take to get home? Yeah, yeah, it, it was actually, it was a, a bit of a camel trek, all right, but um, I think I'd have to fly from Mozambique uh, to South Africa, from South Africa to Qatar, and then Qatar, um, straight home to to Dublin. But um, I would have made it back in time. Um, <laughs> now mind you, I might not, I might not have been involved. And uh, the lads done a great job there on Friday. It really brought me uh, a bit of happiness, a fourth bit of happiness since I've been in here to get three points uh, against some dock. The lads were amazing, I thought. And of course, normally when a Rovers player is injured or suspended for a home game, they sit in the stands and tell us so how strange was it watching that game on TV yeah, it was yeah it was, it was very strange especially obviously you, you know your, your match day sort of routine like whether you're playing or whether you say you're in the bench or in the stands you're not involved um, so watching it from the hotel like it was a, it was a nervous experience for me as I say I was trying to kick every ball head every ball and there's nothing you can do to affect the game like I don't think they could hear me shouts from from the hotel here like but um, as I say it was it was brilliant. That was brilliant to sketch a result, and I really enjoyed uh, watching the guys. That was my next question. When Mandrayo's uh, thunder bastard flew into the net, how loud did you, did you celebrate? I just I panicked, you know, because I I think I put <laughs> my head. And someone texted me in the middle of it. We got a free kick, and the camera just kind of went off uh, off screen. It didn't show exactly, and then I just kind of looked back and I just think a ball flying into the net, and I was like, ah, it was like a panic sort of reaction. <laughs> uh, and then I seen the replay, and then I was just clapping. So. Uh, it was brilliant. It was a great strike by Danny and look, he has that in the locker like, and it's great to see him get off the mark. It's, uh, it's 36 games this season so it's obviously a marathon, not a sprint. It's, it's different when we came back for those 13 games last June and the gaffer's really strengthened the back line for times like this, hasn't he? Like when you're on international duty or Joey is out injured so like the likes of Grace, Scales and Hoare, they can easily slot in there. Yeah, I think that's the uh, the big thing I think the man that brought into the squad is, is competition, competition for places. And look, you're, you're, you're never safe. Like, you're not doing that stuff day in, day out at training. Like, there's 
someone there more than capable uh, to take your position. Like, and look, you're disappointed in missing any games, but like when you look at the players that came in, you say Lee, Scales, uh, Sean, the fantastic players, like in their own right, and they showed that on the other night. Like, so uh, look, it's pleasing to kind of see like that. Like, we have this sort of level of player in our team that like you can do the job, like if we're missing one or two or whoever, like, but uh, obviously it's it's the kind of uh, comp- competitiveness that you want. So when I go back here, I'm, I know I'm fighting to get me placed back. Well, at least if you do make the Cape Verde squad for the African Cup of Nations, the tournament is held in January and February, so you won't miss any Rovers games. So the lads will be freezing the pre-season at Rosestone in the winter, <laughs> and you'll be in Cameroon sweating. Yeah, that, that's something to look forward to. Right? So it'd be a nice pre-season camp. Uh, I suppose you could put it in warm, in warm weather for a change. Uh, yeah, look, I say it's it's kind of it's it's there now in January. It's something to look forward to. I think there's a few World Cup qualifiers now in June and September, October before that. So look, I just need to continue and hopefully get back into the Rovers team and, and continue playing well. And that'll be picked for the squad. Like there's no guarantees in this, so I need to to work hard and get my head down. It's a bit of a weird start to the season for you, isn't it, domestically? Because you saw your penalty saved in the President's Cup, and then it was your <laughs> On goal against Pats, I said you were a leave man when Aaron equalised in that one, and then of course you missed the Dundalk game. So you're probably eager to get going properly now next week. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it was it was funny enough after the the OG against Pats, I was kind of thinking to myself, Jesus, bad luck comes in trees, doesn't it? I don't know why that phrase stuck with me. I didn't realise I'd be stuck in a hotel then because then that was obviously me me tour beast of bad luck. So hopefully that that's it. Like and yeah, I'm I'm really hungry now. I say the the frustration that I've had being in here. I'm just ready to take it all out in my training and in the matches and just push myself and push others to really get this season up and going. And say, like, I think to any season, it doesn't really settle till five or six games in. Like, and we're, we're nearly, well, we're not nearly at that point now, like, but hopefully we can be really pushing on by that point afterwards. Do you guys uh, miss the fan interaction? Because the only time you can see what the supporters are saying is online, which I don't recommend, to be honest, even when we're winning. But it's either that or if you run into them in the shops, it's the only way you can really gauge how they're feeling. Like, it's very strange times. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's something you miss, I suppose, like last year. And then going into this season, like, it's 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 almost a bit flat, because, like, like, obviously, last year you have the build-up of this new season and everyone's getting excited and the fans are pointing to the stadium. You, you didn't have that this year. Obviously, you still try to, to create that excitement and the buzz, like, but, like, Knowing that there's no one going to be there on your first home game of the season, like it's a bit disheartening. And obviously, when when things are going well, the fans give us a huge lift. Or we need that extra push, they're like a twelfth man to us. Like so, uh, it's really hard to kind of replicate that. Like as you say, online or reading reading the tweets afterwards. Like so, it's the sooner the fans are back in the stadium, the better. I know you've told this story a few times, but for those who don't know or maybe don't remember. Could you tell the story of how the Cape for FA initially made contact with you a couple of years ago? Yeah, that's a, it's probably one of the, the funnier stories and one of the luckiest stories I have. Um, I was contacted on LinkedIn, which I set up like for college and like rarely years, like to be honest with you. Like, but it contacted me the year before um, I got involved with the squad and they asked me, they texted me in Portuguese, which I didn't really know at the time. Like, and the uh, they kind of uh, asked would I be interested in uh, declaring and starting the process for, for Cape Verde. Like, you thought it was spam, it. didn't you? Yeah, I just thought it was spam. It's just like, it's not like you get welcome messages on LinkedIn say, I was just like, okay, that, that's grand. And I just sort of left it. Like I wasn't familiar with the with the manager at the time. Like, 
uh, who, who's a fellow who reached out to me. So I just left it. And then about, Jesus, about nine months later, I got another message to say in English to say, did I think about it? So straight away, I was on the Google Translate and I translated the first message and I realized it. And I was so sort of apologetic. I was like, really sorry. I, I didn't understand the message beforehand. If it's not too late, I'd love to participate um, or get the, get the ball rolling on it. And to be fair, I'm straight the next day, I think the, the vice president rang me uh, and just got the ball rolling and it just snowballed from there. And I was on a on a plane in October to Marseille like, to, to make me debut. And the FIFA clearance took a while for you to play competitively, didn't it? What sort of process is that? Is it a bit complicated? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a bit of like red tape, like around a lot of things. Everything has to be, every always had to be dotted and created, uh, T is crossed, I should say. Um, like I say, I handed over everything that they, they wanted, and it's just a long, drawn out process. And if they come back looking for more stuff, you have to provide more stuff. Like, so it took about nine months to a year to finally get over the line. And look, it, it came at a good time because I was able to be a part of the, the last, sorry, the two previous African Cup Nation qualifiers against Rwanda. And then to make me debut against Cameroon and like ultimately getting the qualifications after Cup of Nations, it's been a been a great journey. Like and hopefully it's only the start. How much did you know about the country, uh, like when you were younger, and like what would your dad tell you about? I my dad told me pl- like plenty about uh, Cape Verde, where it's from, many islands, and I've been down there twice on holiday before. Like and you get a good feel like for the people what they're like and the. the they're great people, yeah. They really are like down to earth. Joe Soaps would do anything for you, and they're really lively, real lively bunch, like and just goodwill. Like, um, yeah, so like I had my father thank for that. Like, he, he never let me forget uh, my roots and where they come from. Like, uh, the only thing he just never really taught me the language, so <laughs> I'm trying to pick that up now as, a, as it is. Like, but um, even that part of it's enjoyable. And when you were growing up in D12, like, how did you talk about your heritage when people would ask you about? Yeah, it was it was actually uh, it was really awkward because um, when they say like oh yeah I'm, I'm half Cape Verdean on my dad's from Cape Verde like where is that and then you're trying to explain to where it's from and it's just like it's it's just below the Canary Islands off the coast of Africa uh, and then people are saying what and it just goes you know it used to be part of Portugal like they go so and then people tell me it's like so you're Portuguese and I was like yeah I'm Portuguese that's it. And, <laughs> That used to be the easier way for me when I was younger, just to avoid all the hassle I used to tell people. Yeah, I'm from Portugal. Uh, but then obviously, when you grow up, you kind of realise, hang on a second, like, I shouldn't, I'm, I'm a proud Cape Verdean man. I'm proud of my father, like, proud of my family. Like, I shouldn't have to, like, not, I shouldn't undersell it the way I, I had been when I was younger. Like, and now I'll have the conversation with anybody and tell them as much as I can about Cape Verde. And it was your dad. He was the one who nicknamed you Pico, aka Strong Feta. So, how proud is he at the moment seeing all this? Yeah, he's very proud and he's very happy. I say, I ring him after any sort of interaction I have with the team or uh, I say the games. He's watching the games and he and he was delighted with it and all. Like, and he's just he's onto the family every day, telling them look, they're, like they're, they're watching my granddad and I was watching the home in, in Cape Verde. Like, and he, he very very rarely watches the TV, but they all sat down and watched that game, and that was a really proud moment for, for myself. Like so, uh, yeah, it's just it's great. Like I have like cousins that I don't really speak to, like reaching out to me, or I never really knew of reaching out to me, and it's just it's just great. It just connects the whole family again. Like and it's it's really it's a really nice feeling. Like I said, that makes you feel really connected to it, doesn't it? When you pull on the blue jersey, yeah, a hundred percent. As I say, like I, I've tried to to learn the language as best as I can. I've learned the national anthem. Um, and when I when I do that, I feel like yeah, I'm representing my family. Like when I put on the jersey, I'm representing my family. I'm 
putting it on the map like and saying just uh, hopefully I can do them pr- proud and afterwards just the, the connection you have like talking to your cousins talking to your uncles talking to your aunties and talking to your family it, it's, it's just great it's a great feeling yeah, in terms of Portuguese, uh, Boa Noite, that's still the only one I know. Uh, Raph, the <laughs> cameraman, has teach me one phrase every fortnight, so I, I might string a sentence together eventually. Brilliant. We might have a conversation soon. In Portuguese. <laughs> we might do a podcast in Portuguese still. There you go. That'll be the 250th episode <laughs> in Portuguese. Yeah. How many of the squad would be like yourself, you know, not born in Cape Verde, but their true parentage? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a handful. There's a few lads who are, were born in Holland. Uh, to Cape Verdean parents and there's a few lads who are born in, in uh, France and, Port- and Portugal as well like well a lot of the a lot of the team would be would be natives down there who obviously were born there and then they, they went off to apply their trades across the across the world and these are good news stories for the league aren't they like you had uh, Natastad the Dundalk player scoring for Faroe Islands in a World Cup qualifier during the week it can only be a good thing for the League of Ireland yeah, 100%. I think you, you always want as many international footballers in the league as possible, whether, whether they're pushing onto the Irish team or abroad. It only puts the spotlight on the league and attracts the quality. Like, and it gives it a real real lift. Like, if you can like, uh, you can um, say that, oh, there's a fellow in our team plays international football, it, it, people are kind of looking at it saying, oh, really? That must be a good standard. Like, so, uh, yeah, it's really good for the league. As I hopefully it can attract quality, and hopefully there's a few more players who can push on and play international football. So it's it's over four years ago now that you left your full time job as a, a mortgage advisor. It's fair to say it's worked out well for you, a league and cup champion, international footballer. The most common thing I hear from Rovers fans is that you've made the fastest improvement of a player they've seen at the club in many years. So. What why do you put that down to? And was there a specific period in which you recognised that okay, I've stepped up a couple of levels now? Um, yeah, look, I think it's it's great when they say like that I've improved so much because that was the reason why I came here. So like, obviously, my decision to leave the job was to give full time football a go. Like, it's something that I've always wanted to be when I was a young fella, um, and this was the really kind of big opportunity that I had and I wasn't happy in my job so I said right I'll take this but I'm not taking this just to say I'm I'm a full-time footballer I want to give it 100% and I knew coming here you have the gaffer you had Steve McPhail you had Glenn Duffer at the time I knew they'd be able to improve me as a player and uh, I just got to head down and worked hard listened to what they had to say and look it wasn't easy at times because like and like when you're on a learning process, you're going to make mistakes at times, and you're going to have to face the consequences of that. Like, but you stick at it, like, and you trust the process. And look, thankfully, where I am today is because of the coaching that I coaching that I have received here at Rovers, and obviously put me head down and work hard at it. Like, and look, I'm I'm not there yet. Like, I'm not I'm nowhere near the, the finished product. Uh, product. Uh, so there's hopefully I can get better, and that's what my attitude is towards everyday training. Can I get better? Can I push on now? Can we? win more things and kind of be more successful together. Was your passing game something that you looked at um, compared to now when you look extremely comfortable in possession, but maybe two or three years ago, did you see that as an area you could work on and improve that side of your game? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think the whole sort of like football IQ and, and for maybe intelligence was a, was very low when I first signed. Um, I felt like I had some good principles and attitudes that like I, I could be a benefit to the team. But as you say, like that sort of whole passing element and trusting me teammates and like seeing the game for, for what it is and how we're trying to play, like that was really something I needed to work on. And yeah, the passing was it was a big thing and being comfortable uh, on the ball was, was massive. So 
my teammates could trust me. Uh, and that was a that was a big thing. Like and look, as I say, it's gotten a lot better, but there's still a lot of improvement to be made. And at the other end of the pitch, you popped up with some important goals against Dundalk Europe Cup finals. So set pieces obviously something you practice, and I suppose Jack's precise deliveries uh, help as well. Yeah, definitely. Look, I always felt like uh, probably in the air, like aerially, it was one of my biggest strengths. Like whether it was like defending headers or, or attacking it, but um, I wasn't scoring as much as I was probably making contact with the ball and I knew it was up my need to just kind of sort of zone on because delivery as you say um, over the years with Jack even with Dylan and, and, and now Danny like it's, it's really good and Sean Cabinet as well so I've got to mention some really good deli- uh, deliveries of the ball in the team like so to be not scoring goals off them is criminal so uh, I think it was Glenn that actually pulled us aside and just worked on our timing because we knew we we can attack the ball well as defenders like it's just about timing with the delivery and look it, it's paid off to say it managed to score a few I've managed to take a few quid off Lee Grace as well in our annual bets so if he will score more so hopefully we can add a few more chip in with a few more goals as defenders this year So this is uh, day 10 of quarantine I think uh, Next question Day 8 is no, Day 8, day eight is, Okay yeah. uh, What's the group like, like in there? The group uh, It's like I don't, I'm sure you know, Carl. I'm a big fan of my fields, as eat like Pico would suggest. And the portion sizes are a little less than to be desired. To be honest with you, like um, the field itself, it, it's 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 okay. Yeah, it's it's standard hotel field. I wouldn't complain about that. But I'd like a bit more, maybe a lot more. I know you have high standards for your meals. I've seen you make a mean porridge in the mornings in uh, your <laughs> eat like Pico series. You're the son of a chef, so you know what you're talking about, don't you? Yeah, I try, well, at least I think I do anyway. Um, I know how to eat. I wouldn't say I'm an expert at cooking, but I know how to eat. Did you enjoy doing that series on on, on uh, social media? Uh, yeah, I, at first I was a bit like, well, I'm I'm not really one like to be plastered stuff on social media or, you know, I mean, making videos and that. Like, but I, I did enjoy it, and I've seen a few other people trying to get involved and try a few dishes. It was, it was actually a bit of crack. Like, and I enjoyed that element of like people text me saying, oh, what do you think of this? Or try this. Like, so yeah, it, it was really good. We had Ron and Finn on a few weeks ago and we were trying to get him to start a spin-off show, but uh, he wasn't too keen. It was going to be called the dinner with Finner. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, you, you, could, yeah, you could show me what takeaways he gets after matches. So. <laughs> that'd, be, <laughs> ta- that'd be dinner with Finner. Takeaway, man, is he? Yeah, he likes to, after a match, he likes to treat himself like that. He's entitled to. I must say, I missed doing our own quiz segment as well on the podcast, Questions from the East End. Uh, we, we only had a couple of matches before Colwood last year and the competition was uh, abandoned, sadly. So you, I think you're easily the longest reigning Quipties champion of all time because October 2019, you won that. Yeah, I still have the trophy there as well uh, in the apartment. So um, it look, it's, I say it's been an honour. It's not since I beat Joey in that final, um, and the fact that he hasn't been able to reclaim it since it's it's even better. Listen, you can win a league medal at any time, but quiz champion—that's the one Joey wants in his career. A hundred percent, and I'm sure. Like, uh, look, if he wants to face off for it, like one of these days on my back, like just have a straight shoot off, no problem. I'll be ready. Now you were a hockey delve in that uh, online quiz, but that that was an unofficial contest. That doesn't matter. It was off season, Carl. You know, it's all it's all to go in season. You don't get medals for for uh, for that sort of stuff. That's it. Yeah. So on that note, before we wrap up, uh, I have a little challenge for you, and it's called "How well do you know your Afcon?" Right, okay. 
Okay. <laughs> Putting you on the spot now. <laughs> yeah. So what I've done is I've come up with 10 questions about the African Cup of Nations and I tested Gary Parsons earlier and I made all of his answers and I kept score. So I'll ask you each question and as we go along, I'll tell you what Gary said. So I'll see how you fare against him. Now, well, Gary, to Gary claims to be a, a football connoisseur and he married into a family with Congolese roots. So do you feel you might have a slight advantage here? Look, I think... I think we're about in the same situation here. We should start, we should now above it. That's fair enough, sorry. Question one. In which decade was the first ever African Cup of Nations held? Seventies. Uh, Gareth said seventies as well. No, it was the fifties, nineteen fifty-seven. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Only three nations competed, so not much of a tournament really. Ah, right, so it could have been the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, who are the reigning African Cup of Nations champions? The reign? Yep. Uh, it would have been, been two years ago. It was a, it was a shock, wasn't it? Um, I want to say Zambia. No, it was Algeria. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Gary Gar said Egypt, so he got that wrong, wrong as well. Uh, next, which country has won it the most times? Nigeria. You went the same as Gary. He said Nigeria, but the answer is Egypt. Oh, God. <laughs> Egypt have won it seven times. They won three in a row in the last decade, I think. So they, they've won loads of times. Right. Good standards so far. Yeah, great standards. So 50-50 you have here now. Who has hosted it the most times? Is it Egypt or Ghana? Uh, Ghana. Gary said Ghana as well, and you're both wrong. It's it's Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> Egypt five, Ghana four. Uh, another 50-50 here. Which player is the all-time top goal scorer? In AFCON finals, is it Samuel Etu or George Weah? Probably Sammy Etu, has it? Yep, you're correct. You're off the mark now. Lovely. Gary didn't even wait for the options. He just went straight for George Weah. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah. a skill, boy. <laughs> you got to hear the other answer, surely. I know, yeah. Etu got 18 goals. Drogba was down in fifth with 11. Weah wasn't even on the list. Wow. Uh, next, which nation beginning with the letter G have just qualified for their first ever finals? Gambia. That's correct. Yep. Yes. Two points for you. Gara went for Guadeloupe, who are actually a Caribbean <laughs> island. Yeah. <laughs> he knows his outcome well, to be fair, I guess. Oh, well done, Gar. <laughs> Cape Verde reached their first finals in 2013. How far did they get? Um, last 16. No, they got to the quarterfinals. Oh. I think there was 16 in the thing. So, Gareth said group stage. So, you're both wrong there. Ah, I was wrong with technicality, though. <laughs> I went around after the group stage. Which manager? Won a World Cup 
and a Euros with France and an African Cup of Nations with Tunisia. Didier Deschamps? No, it would have been before Deschamps. It was uh, Roger Lemaire. He won the World Cup in 98, Euros 2000 and then 2004 with Tunisia. Only man to win multiple tournaments like that. Gary just said, that great-haired old bastard. So I didn't get any <laughs> points there. Close, but no cigar. <laughs> uh, next question. Name the former Liverpool, West Ham and Galatasaray defender who made a joint record turned appearances for Cameroon. He made eight appearances for Cameroon. What was the clue that he's for again? With Liverpool, West Ham and... Played for Liverpool, West Ham and Galatasaray. Jimmy Troy? No, it's a Rigobert song. Uh, no, I was thinking, I was thinking of his brother, Forces, it's like he didn't play for Liverpool. Alex Song. Gary actually did get that one. He finally got off the mark, so I think that's 2-1 to you now, isn't it? So, I think so, yeah. Yeah, last question. Cameroon will host the 2021 tournament. Where in Africa is Cameroon located? Is it north, south, East, West, or Central Africa? <laughs> I already said this today. day. It's, it's besides Central African Republic. I think it's the West side of it. So I want to say Central West. <laughs> central. So Central, basically, you're saying? Yeah, Central. Right. Yeah, you both, you both said Central there. So uh, I think you got three right, wasn't it? Gary got two. Yeah. I think I beat Gary anyway. That's the main thing. Yeah. You won anyway. Yeah, that's all. That's all okay, but it doesn't matter what score it is. <laughs> Once you get three points. <laughs> three points is all built. So yeah, Pigo, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today. I know you've a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, for, thanks for filling me filling me Sunday, Kyle, and say I wouldn't have got much done otherwise. You probably wanted a longer interview. You're probably thinking, ask me more questions. I'll just let me let me vent let me vent about how horrible it is. And <laughs> no, I'd only put everyone in a bad mood. All right, thanks, Vigo. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much, Carl. Thanks for having us. Bye. See you now. Bye bye. Yeah, so you're absolute chi. You collusion with, with this fella. Unbelievable. Giving him the answers. Here you go. Here you go, Pico. Have an answer. He said central. Uh, yeah, friends. For football friends. He said central, but in a western way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, so Prof, uh, Pico not happy with the portions, not happy at all. He's a big man and he likes to well, eat. I I don't think I really appreciated how small the portions were when he described them to me. But when I saw the picture in the newspaper, that's crazy. That's like that's three bites. That's like a bit of bacon, a hash brown, and something else. Like when they're giving that out, are they keeping some for themselves? Are they are they like at a rash? Are they rationing them? Are they, is there an issue there? Like are they, are they down on stocks? Like to give that to someone. Especially to an elite athlete. Yeah, that's it. But even even that, yeah. even that, like it could be another, it could be a family of five getting one of those each and not being full or anything. But it's pretty much like prison. Fifteen minutes of fresh air time. You go, you imagine them walking around the yard with a shank, <laughs> looking at the other, looking at the other people there. I know. Before we started the interview, he he was describing it as if it were a prison. It was just like it, is prison. it was like I got me fresh air there a minute ago, Carol. Like what's that about? What's this? Like the fifteen minutes, forty-five minutes a day. Surely that's that's a bit much. You could have them quarantine in their own, like an hour of yard time. You know, while the other gangs are, are locked up. 
Yeah, thankfully we don't have to pay for this. It's uh, Fever and the Cape Verde FA. Yeah, I think it will about two Gs, they're two grand. F- they're I think. footing the bill. Yeah, I, I was expecting them to be like losing his mind at this stage. I was expecting them to see writings on writing the wall. <laughs> Like, no crumbling and no hoops make Pico go crazy. Yeah, what, what was the name of uh, what was the name of the Shawshank Redemption? The the old man, Red. No, Red was. Oh, the guy who had the little, the little mouse. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think he hung himself at the end. Something was here. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, his name. Somebody tell us. We we're not going to Google it. I've seen that maybe six times. I, I know, should, should yeah. remember his name. But um, I think RTE missed a trick here. I think they should have had Quarantine Pico plugged in for half-time analysis. Oh, that would yes. been dead. That would have been great, wouldn't it? <laughs> because I'm sick of Gary Rogers already. He's everywhere. He's on all the podcasts, all the television. Fucking media whore. <laughs> as for Pico's development as a player, have you noticed that the Robbers coaches credit Pico, his personality and determination. They credit him. He credits the coaches. Yeah. So... I think the answer is probably both, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good combination of a fantastic attitude, yeah. a willingness to learn and improve, and having the faith and the hope that they could see what they saw in him to bring it out of him. And it was just a perfect marriage. It really worked well. I think the moon's just aligned. Yes, exactly. Perfect exactly. player. Right staff. Um, so, a Robbers player playing at an African Cup of Nations, if he makes a squad, assume he does. It'd be a first for Robbers. I was trying to think, could it be a first for the League of Ireland? So I thought oh, of... Uh, I'm going to guess before I even go any further. Bocco. Yeah, that's who, that's who I looked up, right? So Bocco played at three... And Babsy. Bocco played at three African Cup of Nations, right? But I looked into it. All three, he wasn't on Sligo's books at the time. Oh, no way. He was over with uh, Cookie, I think, wasn't he? Or, yeah, African Stanley. Yeah, who were they? So, <laughs> that was So that was Benin. Um, so yeah who did you say there and Babsy uh, Charles and Babsy Livingston that could be a show yeah remember him yeah yeah that's a retire anyone listening out there Eric Levine no he's that's once again my geography fails me <laughs> he's Caribbean Guadalupe <laughs> Guadalupe yeah. anyone out there can think of another player who might have uh, achieved this before Pigo heads out to Cameroon in January uh, mm. let us know as for other in- Robbers Internationals Outside of uh, Ireland and Northern Ireland, you've Luke, got Luco Demecchio. You've got yep, Luke Demec for Malta. You've got Eamon Zaid for Libya, played two games. Yeah, and you've got Samir Bouganem for Morocco. That's a big one. Yeah, big one. So we'll move on for the results now. So hashtag Free Pigo and Longford getting beaten by Sligo at home. Um, young John Flynn playing again. Young seventeen-year-old. And hopefully he gets the greener treatment because the first time that young fella, O'Kane, got the ball uh, against Rovers, he got a slap in the mouth. Off the ball, Greener went up and goes, poof, give him a little slap. He says, welcome to Tala. <laughs> so that's it. I'm expecting more of that now from this young Flynn fella off Greener. A little slap in the mouth, show you you're in the game. Draw it at home to Finn Harms, won all and a super finish. I think Carl Sullivan got it. A... Um, I think it was it's one of those volleys that you hit with the outside your foot and just buries in the bottom corner. Excellent, excellent goal. We Waterford uh, destroying the Tifties last man standing. <laughs> and they lost or they won 2 1 away to Derry and my prediction of Derry coming toward is in doubt. And we both losing at home in another Dublin Derby, the Pats with uh Cochlin getting a header. And balls are falling apart again. First win over Pats in a few years there, is it? 
Uh, and you know what? They're going to need another mural to get themselves a better start now. I think another mural might help. <laughs> maybe maybe some maybe some more, uh, I don't know, free trade pecans available at the bar. Something needs to be yeah. done. So he first went over bowls in a few years. I mean, three, I think it was, down. wasn't it? Yeah, the, there was three six o'clock kickoffs on Saturday there. As someone said to me, it's like it's set up to fail. Why are they at the same time? Uh, I don't know. Um, so Finn Harp still top of the league. Yeah, Finn Harp's top of the league. Did, did he say it wasn't enough to keep them up yet? He said that again, did he? Just listen to Otherwise Central. Um, <laughs> they were trying to get a hold of Oli or basically anyone from Harps, and they were saying that everyone just went underground. After they went top Nobody of the league. Nobody wanted to talk. Yeah. That's brilliant. That is yeah. brilliant. But I saw him outside Tallis Stadium, actually. I respect that. And he was walking. Boy, you can tell him the big shock of hair and the mask on. But as he was walking out, Giovagnoli was walking off. And Keegan was shouting at Giovagnoli. He was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you're the spoofer. You're, you're the spoofer. Whatever, whatever the accent was. They're all, two of them are clashing. So things are things are hotting up in the, in the Dundalk selectors team. 100% happened. Uh, yeah, so that is... Uh, the roundup for that week, Prof and Dundalk and Bowls on Friday, third from bottom versus second from bottom. So the relegation playoff yep. is uh hotting up. Relegation six pointer. Relegation six pointer already on Friday. Dundalk at home. I'm gonna say a Dundalk win, one nil scrape one in off the Korean boy. <laughs> and uh Darren McGuinness was chosen as the Westmead Young Sports Person of the Year, the sixteen year old made his Rovers debut in last year's first division, so congratulations to him. Um, surely that must be the worst award anyone can get bar the Longford person of the year and then to do the Midlands it's just fucking depressing if I won the questions from the East End trophy I would put that in front of my Westmead Sports <laughs> of the Year trophy yeah just hide it in the mantelpiece <laughs> uh, we're just... featured in World Soccer Prof ah this surely now that's one of our goals as Tifties isn't it remember World Soccer that was our Holy Grail growing up um, can you tell us anything else about this what are we, what's the feature about I saw a couple of screenshots it looks like two or three pages uh, good interview with Brad like he's talking about his time at Arsenal and stuff and you know the, you know, the incident that happened there that effectively ended his career And I hate the way they keep bringing that up that seems to be a topic that's always brought up I think I should mm. get past that with Brad I think it's yeah. unfair on him I don't to know. have to talk about his career as a as a as a player yeah. all the time and deal with that shit over and over, you know what I mean? I don't know how in depth it was about Brazzer's career now, but yeah, no, that's very cool. And uh, just to know on Watch LOI, uh, there was a tweet by Joseph Kavanagh, a St. Pat's fan, and he said, "I think it's great that Watch LOI give you the full match day experience, having to check my watch for what's left, and if I miss a goal, live score will tell me." Outstanding. <laughs> in fairness, it's bad because I missed. I actually missed the Cockton goal. I just saw it go in, and I was just thinking, "That's no replays on this. Like it, it can't be." What? What? Like we're not. We're no technology. We're not technology savvy in any way as regards to like editing. But surely, it's not that much of an effort to get a replay. In the world of broadcasting. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody can inform us. I presume it requires a full. Television production to do it, whereas okay. a stream is just the camera is on it and it plays the game. True, right true, through. yeah. But I remember we played shells. I'm not shells. It was it was the third or second last game of last season, and at half time, they had a loop of all the highlights. They had they have that at half time now. Oh, at the moment, yeah, you just yeah. watch everything over and over, which is pretty good. So I don't see why they could. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not even manned by a human. 
Maybe yeah. it's all uh, just automated. You wouldn't there know. you go. I've been turning it off at the halftime whistle. That's why I missed yeah, it. Yeah, no, check but, that uh, out because it shows all the goals from previous weeks as well. It's pretty good. As for uh, Pixla, I think they're doing the the first vision games. We talked to um, to Jeff last week about that. It's, they're not following any Chris Packers yet, thankfully. <laughs> like uh, American Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Brandon Kavanagh scored a great goal for Bray this week. Uh, I, I think screamer because you couldn't actually see the ball hit the net. Just about, just about. So it was an absolute screamer. It was a very Danny Mandrew esque against Bowes or against Roberts for Bowes. Absolute screamer, and he got another one in the game as well. So he's playing out with skin at the minute. As young Brandon. So Rovers and Bowes Dublin derby will be on the April twenty third in Tallaght, and it's going to be televised on RTE. So looking forward to this one again. Um, it's going to be mad when we're back to the stadiums, isn't it? I just, I don't see, I don't see when it's ever going to happen. Like it's just not happening for me at the minute. You know, another way we spoke about with fans, and we asked them when we think we're going to be back in the stadiums. I'm not even thinking about it anymore. That's how depressing it is. I'm yeah. just thinking, ah, where will I watch this? Will I watch it at home? We'll have the night off. We'll have a couple of beers. That's all, that's all I'm thinking about. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Even August seems ambitious at this point. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm saying our first game will be Europe away in a different country in a green zone and our own one. Do you know what it cup is? Cup final, maybe. It's not even so much, you know, will the vaccines be ready and blah, blah, blah. It's just sort of like, will the government actually put something in place for us to allow 200 people in? No. And, not a and, chance and experiment and see can we do it safely I just get the impression it won't happen this season we're not on their radar at all at all we are the last thing that this government would care about as regards and like that we're no way no way they'd have any sort of paid scheme or anybody be put in charge to actually implement any forget it it's not going to happen unless we do it ourselves whereas in England as you're about to say next yeah the League Cup final so you've got what Yanoira and Spores they're going to have AK fans at the uh, Man, Man City and Spurs oh sorry Man City oh yeah it's not Yanoira it's City so um, yeah Wembley 8,000 uh, that's the return for supporters and all the international games we've been watching the last few weeks have had fans um, hopefully, hopefully it works uh, pretty much Britain's pretty much back open next week isn't it Pretty much everything back in order. So back in the nightclubs in June. Back in the nightclubs in June, yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to 13 years since Finn Harps announced their 6.7 million plan to move stadium, and they finally got the news they craved last Thursday night when the grant was confirmed. The Department of Sport have made a provisional allocation of four million for its construction in Stranraer. So is that further away than Bally Buffet? We should notice Stranraer. I think I remember. Remember the first time we interviewed Bartley and uh, we asked him about the new stadium and he said you should see it on your bus as you you go buy it ah, on deadly. the way to uh, Bally Buffet. So it's going to uh, yeah. cut some drinking time off, is it? <laughs> Down with the stadium. <laughs> you pass one of the three or four pubs local to Bally Buffet. Yeah. But uh, no, it's great news. And uh, <laughs> I quite like that this was announced on April Fool's Day because that would have been the most Finn Harps thing ever <laughs> if, Lord, was it? if after 13 years it was just a joke and you could imagine their Twitter they'd be like no we're, we're serious <laughs> so, <laughs> some fans were generally worried they were tweeting the author of the article like seriously is this real I think they could take it from us I'd say don't get too carried away don't get too carried well, away with this news well they've already waited 13 years we we, we were 13 years as well yeah I'd, so I'd, they've they've done the tally years Sort of a standard waiting time for a stadium in Ireland. Yeah. Tour day in years. 
Did you see uh, who won who won a car in the Finn Harris raffle? Yeah, why were people saying that this was fixed? Like, sh- they're different clubs. Do you know what I mean? What am I, what am I missing here? Got to be in it to win. People are saying that uh, it was fixed, but it's a different CEO of a different club. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he owns the car dealership and he won it back. CEO of Sligo, in case anyone didn't yeah. hear that. So, yeah, um, an article on RTE by Charlie Rowan titled, Is there a risk that modernisation will destroy the soul of Ireland's football stadiums? Oh, Jesus. Did you see this article? No. Sounds deep. Uh, it was a bit all over the place, to be honest. Uh, you wouldn't like So, it. better <laughs> facilities are going to ruin your football. Is that what he's saying? Better it, facilities will his, ruin our football. His viewpoint is all over the place. It's a very Bose heavy article. He interviews one fan, a Bose fan. So you're relying totally on his view and opinion. Literally no mention of Tata Stadium. Ah, oh, well there, there, chuck that in the bin. That's uh, exactly what it is there. In the end, he seems to be in favour of Harps New Ground, ground despite spending the whole article saying we shouldn't do all this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, so there, non-event. If you look at Milltown even, even if we hadn't have been forced out, we would have had to eventually leave, or at least it would have had to be modernised. Yeah, modernised. Yeah. So it's always going to get sold, isn't it? It's just the way of life. Like teams move to new grounds and they they redevelop their stadiums. Totally don't agree with that actually, because if you look at AFC Wimbledon at the minute, I think they got a brand new. I think it was ten thousand seat stadium, and I was looking at it <coughs> on Twitter today, and it's a fucking cracker. It's all. It's near. I think it's nearly all seat. They've railway seat, and they've loads of great seats. Really, really nice stadium. All fan funded. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. A very, very, very small part of me does think that there is something cool about these <laughs> league burning grounds that look like they're stuck in time. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree with you with that. Yeah. But I I mean, for for it to get bigger and better and progress, we do need a little bit of modernisation. Talk, you talk about words that are overused in football. The word soul now. Is just being hijacked. Yeah. Like what? Define this stadium has no soul. Like what do you? Because it's made of concrete. Like, what are you saying? That's pretty much it. Oh, it's concrete. Oh, concrete monstrosity. Shut up! Like it's just how it is. That's just. I got. I love Tallaght Stadium. I think it's. I think it's a cracker. Time passes and a stadium acquires history. Like Twiggy two goals against Balls, Real Madrid, AC Milan. Eventually becomes history. Yeah, and there's your soul right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We'll move on now to Paul O'Connell, friend of the show. And uh, this is absolutely brilliant. You're going to enjoy this next couple of minutes. So, Paul O'Connell he made an excellent post to Ireland after the Luxembourg defeat. It's a long one, so we didn't have time to read it last week, but when we got, we better let you hear it from the man himself. So, uh, enjoy. Here's Paul. Irish football is in the shitter and it's waiting to be flushed. We've known it for years and tolerated it. All because of the occasional decent result and a few beers in the pub, usually because of an overinflated draw to some former Eastern European powerhouse. And we have fully ignored what we already knew that in reality we were heading for financial ruin as an association among our UEFA counterparts, and that the international football team in the green shorts would effectively become third rate. We are now there. Irish people don't like this reality. We prefer a misty eyed beer infused reality. That can be sorted and fixed tomorrow, sometime. We are anchored to the English Premier League. We base the hopes for international success alongside the fact that players are anchored there too. Many of which aren't even getting first team football. We need to get over this and we need to move on. 
There are other leaks. The ones that are not marketed in your face 24-7 on television telling you football only really has existed since 1992. Ultimately, if it comes to the point where we have to ship out young talent to help balance the books, would it not be better to have our players playing for Malde, Rosenborg or even Christiansund from the likes of the Norwegian Elite Syrian playing regular combative stylish first team football, competing in the Champions League qualifiers and playing regular Europa League group stage football every season rather than ploughing that hollow lower level furrow from across the water. That is right now a past tense, turgid, oversubscribed mess. I don't claim Scandic football is a world beater at this time, save to say that the facilities there for youth development and progression, quite frankly, leave most leagues in the rearview mirror. Whilst Irish footballers are caught in the midst of the dumbing down of a short enough career in English lower league, mud bath, meat pie, merry-go-round, and its attachment to the 19th century rustic wrought iron revolution. Ryan Nolan, age 22, hovering between the first and second teams at Catafé in Spain, and Selmo McNulty, 18 years of age and progressing nicely and steadily at Wolfsburg. The evergreen and experienced Graeme Carey at CSKA Sofia in Bulgaria. Helsinki-based Callum Ward, age 20, playing now in goal for HIFK. Sean McDermott, 27 years of age, from Christiansund in the Norwegian Elite Syrian and a young 23-year-old Conor Rohn employing his trade at Grasshopper Zurich. Know any of them? All Irish, all eligible for the green jersey, all away from the UK, all Premier League standard across European leagues. Might these players strengthen the Irish international team? Not if your career path doesn't take you on a magical Ryanair flight that touches down in London, Manchester and Liverpool or Leeds, it seems. All of this results in missing out on the likes of centre-back Daniel O'Shaughnessy, who has a father from Galway, holds both Irish and Finnish citizenship, and because nobody bothered their holes courting him at various points during his earlier career, while he was with FC Mets, FC Mittyland, or Cheltenham Town, he was whisked away and mentored by HJK Helsinki and the Finnish FA, and is now a regular international defender heading to this year's delayed European Championship Finals. Might it not strengthen the Ireland side if management advisors and agents would bother to suggest such an alternative career path, all away from the dumbing down of a short enough career in the mudbat meat pie merry-go-round of the lower reaches of English football? It's a broken crutch we keep going back to. Young men with huge potential are getting lost in this system. We truly have lost our way in adopting the skill sets required in the art of recruiting, moulding and preparing for the international team. Many fans do just not see the correlation of why we fail in games while selecting players for Ireland who are stuck in the reserves at Premier League clubs or in the Championship or League One. That Luxembourg side that recently bagged a magnificent 1-0 victory at Lansdowne Road consisted of players playing regular first-team football in various Premier football leagues all over Europe. Gerson Rodriguez, Dinamo Kiev, Oliver Thiel, Varskal Portava, Enes Mahutovic, FC Lvov, all Ukrainian Premier League. Daniel Sinani, FC Beveren from the Belgium Jupiler League. Laurent Jans, Standard Liège, same league. Maxime Chanot, New York City from the MLS. Christopher Martins, Young Boys, Swiss Super League. Leandro Barrero Martins, FC Mainz in the Bundesliga. Marvin Martins, Casapia, Serie B. Vincent Thiel, National from Portuguese Premier League. Anthony Morris, Gilwas. Belgian Jupiler League. But all of that and the achievement 
is shunted offside because of our obsession with where we think we should be. Their win and achievement was both daring and remarkable. Kenny in, Kenny out, shake it all about. RTE and Tony O'Donoghue were immediately pushing for the drama of an instant answer post-Luxembourg match. For the ratings, you know, it's what they live for. The post-match RTE sports, you're getting sacked in the morning tweet, was an absolute disgrace. It flew in the face of players like Gavin Bazunu making his debut. And to the knowledgeable Irish football fan who supports LOI and knows where Kenny came from and what he has already achieved. I certainly won't excuse the other crap that that defeat served up. But we understand how we have gotten here. The bottom. The nadir. The ultimate of the worst moments in Irish international football. But it, this was coming for years and we knew it. Years of neglect. Mismanagement. Corruption. Misspending and propping up of the old guard. The siphoning off of funds. Redirection and theft of resources including getting rid of forward thinking coaches. Staff being sacked for speaking out. For wanting to implement better methodologies. An almost totalitarian control and not developing solid local structures and ignoring point blank the domestic game from where almost everything will grow. But there were some fab James Bond team parties, what? What a birthday cake. We are here because of that Delaney prick. And the pricks that came before him. And the pricks that are still there who carry on in his vein. The same pricks that would have been on their phones to agents seeing if such and such a dinosaur manager for the English game was available for a chat post-Luxembourg match. I'm sure we'll have to get Robbie and Zopes surfacing in the next while. His missus would endorse those tweets. Jesus wept. We are closer to Luxembourg than we are to Portugal or Serbia in footballing terms. We have it in our heads that we have a right to be qualifying because of past clung onto Captain Morganfield glories. One of the most exaggerated phrases in Irish international football these days is we should be beating these. It's a complete nonsense and it's bollocksology for those that know. It's hard to take watching it unfold but it's Irish football's tragic reality for you that many of us have been barking on about for years but have been ignored because you know the pool or United won again this weekend in the real Dublin derby. And sure look we'll do points down Lansdowne Road next month at the big match. Go on you good thing. How about that? <laughs> that was a brilliant listen. I'm just, do you yeah. know, what I need to put in the background actually while it's on. I like train spot music. <laughs> That's what we should have done, you know. Stick it in. You actually could for, do that. For all seven minutes. Of yeah, it. seven minutes of just yeah. instrumental in the background. Yeah. A bit of Finnish uh, classical jazz. Yeah, but yeah, no, brilliant stuff, really was. And he made so many good points about European leagues in particular um, that these guys are playing a good level, European standard, and they're playing the Premier League of the country that they exist in. And they they're not they're not picked at all. I think it's crazy. But you'd have league league. No offense to Bazuna or anything like that, but league one, and maybe the Scottish Premier League. Like it's it's crazy that these guys are just overlooked because of a league that they play in. They could be very very tidy players, fit match fit, playing twenty games under their belt, and you have maybe I don't know somebody who's played two games off the bench getting picked ahead of them. I think match fitness is a big thing when it comes to picking the international squad. Yeah, I actually, actually thought Kenny. Uh, could have been a bit smarter in terms of who he picked. Like I, I, Aidan McGeady has wrecked my head for ten years now. <laughs> but he had played more football than most of that squad combined, and he's on fire as well. Apparently, yeah. like to Jamie McGrath doing well in Scotland, mm, fourteen goals this season. I think he had too many players in the pitch that just had no minutes in their legs. Exactly, like that's a big thing. Like look, Lee Grace is a perfect example. Last week he hadn't played in weeks and he was rusty. So you've a lot of rusty players playing together who gather for a week or two every. 
couple of months to play international football it's not going to work I think you have to pick what's in front of you and that is the best squad and the fittest people and make it competitive and we just we're not doing it but maybe maybe he'll learn plus Anselmo McNulty needs to be in the team every single time because he has it just sounds the business the flip- Anselmo McNulty <laughs> sounds great doesn't it the flip side of it was that 14 of the 26 squad were on the books of Premier League clubs mm. it's a uh, yeah, but like I said, it was um, it's a debate for another day. You could talk about it all night, but, but fantastic more, more stuff from Paul. Uh, what a birthday cake! What a birthday cake! Zopes. <laughs> Zop, yeah. yeah, so uh, some more Tiffy's best bits now. And 2019, we started doing skits at the start of our monthly madness shows. So we did five of them total, plus a spontaneous intro with Terry Palmer and Richie Porty. Plus, we tried to do one with Mick Leach and Paddy Mulligan, and I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> that, was, that, went, that just got hijacked. That was brilliant. Two of them just, it was improv, wasn't it? Well, what happened was Mick didn't have his glasses, so he just went rogue. Yeah, it was brilliant. With hilarious results. <laughs> Bookies. So, uh, yeah, so first we became a cooking show called Tales from the South Stand, and uh, cooking up a storm that day, the steaks and the wine were on, uh, were, were flowing. The Junior Hoops hijacked the podcast for a few minutes as well. Um, Dunstart and Stephen Rice went back in time, 2019, when Rovers Radio was on air, and then Peter Eccles, Tommy Tommy. And ourselves attempted to form an All-Ireland League. Then we got Carl on the old Casio keyboard for Dave Carpenter. And he played a familiar song about the GAA. So, Prof, that was a, that's a throwback <laughs> and a half. That is getting the old Casio out. Enjoyed that one. Now we Conor Cairns, fresh off causing a riot against Bowles, desperately wanted to co-host the League of Ireland podcast. And finally, Terry Palmer and Richie Porty and Roy and Johnny Blues Bar. And we talk off air. So they talk. So we did yeah. a sneaky one there. Yeah, so you'll hear all those skits now. And Gar. Just so you know how we've moved on to the next one, just to separate them, you're going to hear the following. Tifties, 150. <laughs> Daddy. So, yeah, that's, that's what you're going to hear. A very gravelly Aussie nade there. You could tell it was early in the morning. Welcome to Tales from the South Stand, episode 77, Two Little Crutches. Uh, Happy New Year to all our wonderful listeners. It's our first broadcast of 2019. I am Garth Parsons and the Professor Carl Riley here as always. And it's a brand new year. We've decided to take the show in a whole new direction. So um, we understand that everybody will not be happy with this new direction. But give it a chance and it'll be lots of fun. So Carl, tell us what you're doing there. I'm just going to get some olive oil into the pan here, first of all. Uh, Now, I'll cut the garlic, and if you use a razor, you can slice it so thin, it'll liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. Mmm, gorgeous. Okay, listen, I'm just prepping the steaks. Oregano, rock salt, some some red wine, a robust Merlot. I know you like your steaks. Medium rare, Gary. Oh, Oh, it's delish. How about this Merlot, Professor? Well, I, oh, I've it's gorgeous. All right. So, listen, we're going to pop those steaks into the pan. Uh, some butter. Tomato sauce. Uh, more of this delicious Merlot. Lads, are we going to talk about the football? Hour? Now, remember, Garth, don't put too many onions in the sauce. Now listen, listen, Professor, I, I never put too much onions in the sauce. All right. That's not what Finton said. You can Finton fuck off. So, the last few ingredients. Uh, you want to spot the Pinot Grigio all over the steaks 
just a little pinch of salt. Uh, just a little pinch. Just just a pinch, a smidgen, and a tad more Merlot, and ta-da! So here's one we prepared earlier. Our, our tasters are ready. We have Michael Kearns, a supporter of Dublin-based soccer team Shamrock Rovers. What do you think about that one, the whack? Lads, I'm going to be honest, that is awful. Welcome to the Tales from the East Stand, episode 79. I'm your host, Louis Quimartin, alongside my brother Frankie, Jaden Parsons, Hannah Doon, and our friend Cassie. Say hi, guys and girls. Hi! Win in Waterford on Friday night. Did everyone see the gold? Yes. yes. No. Who was your favourite ever Rovers players? Danny Carr. Danny Carr. Jaden. Charles Clark. Dan Carr. Joel Strain. Dan. I mean Trevor Clark. Dylan Watts. Uh, and mine is Dan Carr too. Will Rovers the league and cup this season? Yes or no? Yes. 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 Hopefully. Yes. 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 Next, we're going to explain the offside rules. Who wants to go first? Maya. So, there's a, so if the striker is ahead of the defender, that's offside. Because the last man back has to be behind the striker to be not, well, to not be offside. Anyone else? So if there's if there's uh if if you're taking a corner free kick and you're and you're about to run in, you, you're not allowed to be behind any defenders or on your offside. Thank you. Kids, can I ask you a question? What do you love about the junior hoops? About the hoops, aside now from the sweets, what do you love about the hoops? And particularly the junior hoops? The football, Hannah, and I like the junior hoops because of all the fun stuff we got today. My name's Frankie, and I like the junior hoops because we get to uh, wave the flags. My name's Cassie, and I like the junior hoops because when we get to meet the team. Come on! He's right! Come on! It's time to go! What? Guys, you weren't at Carl and Gary's microphone, were you? No! No. Maybe. Fifties, one fifty. I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. 
That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good, good night Hi and welcome to SRFC Radio and a Happy New Year to all our listeners. I'm Paul Donahue. Thanks as always for tuning in and don't forget to check out our MySpace page at myspace.com backslash SRFC Radio. So this is our first show of 2009 and you know what that means. Tallis Stadium. We made it at last. The excitement around the club right now is unbelievable and we have a Rovers midfielder Stephen Rice in studio here with us today. Welcome Stephen. Thank you. Seven place last season, 11 points off Europe, only finishing six above the relegation zone. Is it silly to talk about trying to challenge for anything this season or should it just be about establishing ourselves in Tallis for the first year? I think we have to be realistic but also understand that we're moving into a into a new stadium and it's a new era for the club so said the last few years have not been as successful as anyone would like um, but uh, there's no reason f- there's a lot of reason for optimism but again would call for real- realism from the fans as well yeah, you could say that we still have the nucleus of last year's squad uh, Baz and Goal Madden Price Maguire Flynn uh, yourself Stephen and Sean O'Connor midfield uh, Tyke Porcel, Alan Doyle and Podge can get us goals and Desi Baker is back after a disappointing loan spell at Dundalk. I wonder will he be in the gaffer's plans at all? You have to ask Michael on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of our new signings. Ollie Cahill, Stephen Bradley and Shane Robinson uh, is returning as the club captain. They're all league winners at Drogheda. There's a lot of experience there. You're still under 24, Stephen, but I don't know how much you want your first league medal someday. Yeah, that's the whole point of coming to Rovers and what I've, what I've looked to do for a long time I haven't been able to achieve anything really of note within the game to date so coming here is, is to do exactly that and to throw and win not just my first league medal but my first medal uh, There's also in Birmingham uh, Sean Webb and a couple, uh, couple of Scotsmen striker Gary Twig and midfielder Greg Cameron uh, we've sold Jared O'Brien to Derry to pay for Twig's transfer fee which a lot of people aren't happy about it's a big gamble now, you've been watching this lad tweaking training. He had an OK goal ratio at Breakin City. Michael O'Neill's out club. Nothing to shout about. What do you make of him so far? He can get goals in training. He looks he looks like he can finish. But as I said, it's a, he's very much an unproven and he's he's going to come in and, and try and be, the, be the, the go-to guy for us. So let's see if he can do that. So obviously, Twiggy's been impressive, but he's the one who's really stood out of all the new signings. The one that's really stand out in training and in pre-season games is probably Sean Webb. Looks really strong, dominant centre back, can play as well, and I think will be a good competition for Dara and Ada uh, in that centre back position. And I think that's where we needed the strength. And I think Michael's been shrewd in that. Okay, as always, uh, we have a few questions, and our first question today comes in from Winston. He says, "How are you lads? Been following this club for thirty years, and Tal is one of the best things to happen to it. But I just think we should be aiming bigger. There should be four stands, not one." I keep reading in the papers that Ronaldo would definitely join Real Madrid this summer. Get him in on his debut. Now, that would be a big event and pack the whole ground out. What do you think, Stephen? I look fine now. I really like the show and all, but people keep giving in the silliest questions I've heard. You know, Ronaldo and Real Madrid. Ah, right, sir. Right, sir. Hang on. Where are you going? Tell him we get Barack Obama for a cup of tea as well with the Glen Malore suite when we're at it. You say that you need me. Say you need me. You'll always be mine. 
Fifties, one fifty. <coughs> uh, good evening, everybody. I'm Tommy Tormey. I've been asked to give this presentation today on a on the proposed All Ireland League. I'll talk about what we can learn from history and what impact it will potentially have on football clubs and its supporters either side of the border. Small pubs in Cromlin are not the usual sort of venues I'm used to speaking at, but I do recognise one or two faces in the audience. Peter, you're no stranger to this subject. Yeah, I've actually scored a Fashamacro was in the European Cup game against Linfield, and I played for Crusaders. Uh, how do you do? I'm Billy McLuggage. I've uh, been reporting on soccer in Ulster since 1982. Uh, I can just say what an honour and a privilege it is to be here for this lecture and what is an extremely important issue for the people of Northern Ireland. Sorry, I think I might actually be in the wrong place. Uh, want to take the orange eating class? Okay, right. I'm going to start with a slideshow from the Ireland cross-border competitions that were held in the 1970s. Here you can see photos from the Blanksnet Cup the Texaco Cup and the Tyler Cup. Oh. oh my god. Oh man. Oh. And I haven't even shown you anything from the actual games yet. Needless to say, nobody wants a repeat of this. Absolutely not. So, uh, Mr. Tormey, uh, let's cut to that chase. In your scenario of a unified league championship for this beautiful island, Mr. Tormey, how many European places will be allocated to the winners of the CDP-sponsored North Belfast Derby and the Tolls Bookmakers Intermediate County Antrim Shield? Just eat the damn oranges! Uh, please don't interrupt. Now, the League of Ireland, as we know, began in 1921 after partition. It was actually called the Irish Free State League back then. I'm the professor, not you. Now, what else? Uh, look at this. I'm holding up to the class some rare League of Ireland winners medals. You can see each of the four provinces on there. This is very, very old memorabilia, which historians are still unable to date with any accuracy. What decade would you guess these are from? Well, the first four out of four in a row ones, for sure. The fifth one looks like maybe mid-90s. In fact... Hold on, lads. Give me the back. Give me that was back. Jesus, Tommy. I can honestly say this is the worst presentation I have ever attended. I don't want to be in this situation. You obviously never had to sit through one of Trevor Crowley's poxy spreadsheets. Fifties, one fifty. Dave, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Good to see it, Gary. Good to see you. What's the story? All well. Gary, before we get going here, uh, I can believe this, but I've whipped out the old Casio keyboard. Is this the old school Casio from Captain's Road? This thing is from the eighties. This thing is older (laughs) than you. I heard you guys were in a band, were you? Why do you keep telling people we're in a band? It's something you keep saying, you're not. But it was the problem. It was the case. We were a musical dynamo. So I just strung a few notes together and you rapped. It was, that's, that's not a band. <laughs> I think we're going to have to uh, take it old school and bring it back, Prof. Well, while we're here, can you think of any songs we could uh, 
play. I think you could fire it away. Fire it away. I think you could belt fire it away. Fire it away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Hello and welcome to the Answer Machine service of Between the Shed podcast. Sorry we can't come to the phone right now. It's probably because we're in the middle of recording another cracking show with a fantastic lineup. In fact, the BTS team has just received some breaking news that they're all LOA fanatics all over the country, and that is that we have a lot to talk about with our massive guests. Fabulous stuff. So don't forget to comment and subscribe on iTunes, and we want you to all get involved on social media as well without Paul asking, is the title race over? There are one for yes. There are two for still early days. Anyway, best of luck with leaving your message wherever you are. So leave it after the peep and we'll be in touch with you as soon as possibly can. Come on the phone, which by I mean. Dark How are you, Karen? It's uh, Connor Kearns uh, again. This is the third voice message I've left you. I don't know if you saw them, but uh, I saw that your co-host John has left the show recently. And uh, to be honest, I reckon it'd be an idea replacement from. Uh, like seriously, I could do a job. I know I'm young, but fairly experienced. And I don't know if you, you heard me on the Greatest League in the World podcast. Um, people seem to think I spoke very well. Uh, so yeah, just think about it. Uh, call me back if you get a chance. Thanks, Connor Kearns. Cheers. How are you? Sorry I'm late. Right, Carl. What's up? You look a bit depressed there. Well, yeah, like, you know, it's always been my dream to co-host a League of Ireland podcast. What? Yeah. Since since when? I always talk about it. You know, the buzz of being on the airwaves, giving my honest opinion on all the games, and the latest news in Irish football. I can't beat it. You played in Toulon, for fuck's sake. It's not the same. It's what's it's what important to me. I need to get into the podcast game. But greatest league in the world wound on to my cards and League of Ireland Weekly and Extra Time said it's just too much heat on me right now. Did you try them all? There must be other podcasts out there. Eh. Uh, RT Soccer? Good podcast, I mean. Nah, nah, there's no one else. Oh, fuck's sake. <sighs> I just don't understand. I thought I spoke really well on the podcast. No, honestly, bro, you did. You spoke really, really well. What am I going to do now? It's hopeless. Here, leave it with me. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. Half a pound of tuppany rice. Half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Every night when I go out, the weasel's on the table. Take a stick and knock it off. Pop goes the weasel. Fifties, one fifty. How are you, Terry? How are you, Terry? How are you? 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 How are
So this is your first podcast as well? This is my first podcast. It seems to be a big take podcast now, isn't it? It's just easy, it's accessible, it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's pretty informal. We we'll just uh, we'll give you some comments and some questions from fans. <laughs> like so, what's my bet to the OJ Eddie? Everything. Everything. <laughs> all barred here. Yeah. Funny enough, actually, forgot the OJ. Oh, <laughs> 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 you had to go out and Berry, Berry, what Berry say now? He went the psycho game dressed as a boiler. Berry, Berry, what Berry say now? He leaves us all confused. The bulky bus is gone. 50s, 150. Uh, yeah, so fantastic stuff once again, and all the memories, and thanks for everybody for listening. Um, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride. Hopefully, here's to another 150 more, prof. We should do that now. We should predict what's going to happen in the three hundred episode. <laughs> see what we see how we get on then. Oh yeah, you, hope you have an audience by then. For Christ's sake! Yes. So next up, we have starting elevens and predictions. Right. So I'm going first as usual, and I've done my amidst uh, my 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 drawings. I've picked the team. So we McManus. Alan McManus and goal with Pico, Hoare and Scales at the back with Gannon and Cavo wing backs and we've got McCann and Finn in the middle again I'm only dropping one player I'm dropping I'm dropping Bork I'm, I'm going to keep Watson Mandrew Mandrew and Green up top I thought Green was brilliant ran his bollocks off and Gaffney is a fantastic sub to have and it's unfortunate really but that's just how it is but yeah Borky is dropped and I am going to go for whew I'm going to say a 3-2 win. I'm going to say it's high score and high octane madness with a couple of red cards and penos and, yeah, mental game. 3-2 Rovers. So who came in for Burke? Uh, Watts. Watts. Watts is slotting in there for Burke and Greener's keeping his spot up top. Yeah, Peagle's probably not going to be in a position to start this one, is he? Oh, well, I have him in anyway. And if he's not, that's going to cause a bit of trouble. With my team selection, but we, I'm we gonna. I don't know pre- what the story with Joey's injury is either. No, so we're in the dark at the minute. Yeah, but it could be a bit of a coin toss, I suppose, between Grayson and, and Pico, isn't it? Mm. Um. So no Pico with Grace slots in, doesn't he? I'm gonna take the easy option here and start the same team again. Oh. Because, like, as I said, kind of a couple of weeks ago. I want to see this team play five games together first before I start saying okay I'm going to remove Burke here not that I have any say in this team at all but mm-hmm. in this segment I do have a say so I'm going to give it five games now in fairness Burke Burke was good last week a lot of play went through him yeah he was actually a lot of play went through him like, and he he did a lot of good things a lot of frustrating things but until the yellow card yeah I'm going to drop him he got a city booking and then he actually I was quite worried he was going to get a red and he flew into a tackle on Shields immediately after the yellow yeah. and I got really worried so if he can cut out the, the silliness and play like he did on Friday um, and one of these mad shots from outside the box go yeah. in and make us eat our words I'm going to say Mandrew goal for me Mandrew goal and Greenart obviously the score gets slow going get a belt of a smoke cod well there's no fans mm-hmm. so he can't get a belt of a smoke cod 
But yeah, um, and then I'll go uh, Pico header. Free Pico, straight out of quarantine. 3 2. What's our prediction, Pro? I am saying a one all draw in which Rory Gaffney comes off the bench and scores an equaliser for us. The voice of reason. The voice of reason. So that is it. We've Sligo versus Rovers. The, uh, the real Rovers. Uh. Bit, but, a bit uh, of shit Harazu there, wasn't it? Ah, oh, that was brilliant. So um, that's it. Prof. Did, you, did you hear him on um, LOI Central a couple of weeks back? Greg Bolger. Dan, Dan McDonald kind of goaded him into saying Oh, champs. he didn't. Did he? No, he said it as a, as a joking way. Like Dan was like, oh, you're going to have to say shams now, aren't you? So, I don't know, Greg wasn't going to say it, you know what I mean? He's dead to us. <laughs> He's dead to the show. Um, but he liked our Tifty's promo on Twitter, so once a hoop, I was a hoop. There you go. I'm not looking forward to playing against him, actually. No, no, he's going to be, uh, who's going to be the battle in the middle? McCann, McCann and him battling in the middle, it'd be a good battle. But they've started very well, haven't they? Some people, of course, <clears throat> did tip him for a top three. Some people tipped Derry. Sorry, Carl. How many games? <laughs> so oh, back, back, back to the scene of our our last lives football match together as fans. Oh, and it was three two as well. That one ended three two. So I'm gonna go for three two. man three two. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we get the win. And that is it. So tune in next week when we'll have some more best of Tifty's clips and interview with former Rovers defender Jason Caldwell. So that is it for this week. Thanks for listening. Ocean Electrical Leinster credit and of course the Prophet Gary P so that's it and keep on hooping see ya